Hey everyone, in case you have not heard, we have merch. Yes, we have great t-shirts over on podswag.com, your one-stop shop for clothing, accessories, and novelty items, all from your favorite podcasts. Um, we have some wonderful Are You Talking REM Remy t-shirts that you got to go check. New stained glass shirts, uh, which are really cool. They're, they look like an old rock uh, t-shirt. See for yourself at podswag.com slash REM. That's podswag.com slash REM. From boy to the blackout, this is you talking you two to me, the comprehensive and encyclopedia compendium of all things you two. This is good rock and roll uh, music. music. <laughs> We are back. Uh, coming up on this episode, we have our exclusive interviews Man. with the members of U2. We will talk about our entire backstage experience and innocence at the tour that we just saw in Madison Square Garden. We will be talking about what happened to us before the show. What happened to us during the show, and gall darn it, we're going to talk about what happened after, and the after sure, stuff is, is even more incredible. Um, we're going to be talking about it all. Um, before we get to that, though, I have to interview my co-host for the past, God, it feels like forever we've been doing this. Damn. It has been like- Damn, Daniel. Five years. Yeah, we've been doing has this it, five years. Has it been five years? That's a good chunk of, of our lives. It's half a decade, That we've, we've been doing this exclusively. Is it has it been five years? Yeah, I believe since so. Since we started, I know four years ago was our first stained glass. So we we and that was somewhere in the twenty. So it was about four and a half. Because we started in like, in like January, yeah, of January twenty fourteen. Yeah. yeah, that's so crazy. And then in between the episodes, we power down. We don't do anything else. No, we like three PO out. <laughs> 3PO out. I loved his catchphrase oh, yeah. in all the Star Wars films when he was like, Master Luke, oh, the Imperials are going to get us. 3PO out. Yep. I loved it. Love it. And then when Han Solo would be like, Solo, Audi 5000. It'd be like, come on, 3PO, why don't you shut up? Princess Leia, get over here. Honey Solo-y, Audi. Audi! 3PO, why don't you grow a set of robot testicles for once? Luke, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. Stop kissing my woman. Han Solo-y, Audi. <laughs> is that what you said? Han solo -y? Something like that, yeah. It is kind of weird. That What was that? <laughs> was that you starting the computer? Oh, man. It was like, you know what? It's, it's almost like that's a computer... Burping? In know? a way, it's like sometimes a computer gets all like ugh, all built up, and it's got and its let guts, and it just up. is like bong. I don't blame him. Um, Adam Scott is here. Hello, Adam. Hi, Scott. How are you? It is kind of weird, isn't it, that Luke? Yes. Like totally kisses Leia in that first movie. Yeah, and in uh, Empire Strikes Back as well, they have a little. And then at the end of Jedi, he's like, 
I don't care that you're my sister. I gotta get a little bit more of this. At, <laughs> at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi? Yeah. Do they kiss again? Oh, yeah. When? At, you Remember that part where uh, uh, Darth Vader comes up and he's got the glowing kind of bluish green stuff at the campfire and Obi-Wan is there yeah. and Yoda and everyone? Yeah, yeah. He leans over to Leia and he's like, give me just a little bit oh, more yeah, of that yeah, yeah, sister yeah, 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 yeah. love action. <laughs> he's like, you're watching, right, Dad? Yeah. It's weird that he starts talking like that in the It was a strange movie. choice for Mark Dad, Hamill. Dad, you seeing this over here? I hope you're getting this because it is putting a tent in my toga. It's my sister. <laughs> Star Wars, one of the greatest trilogies oh, of all time. I love Star Wars movies. Uh, you know, there's so many memories attached to it for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know like, about you. There's uh, one of my mem best memories about Star Wars is Star Wars. Wait a second. Star Wars. Ep yes. Is this an episode of I Love Films? I think it is. Hey everyone, welcome to I Love Films. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And we're talking about Star Wars memories, and Star Wars certainly counts as films. Oh, yeah, but the, the cool thing about Star Wars, if I may, mm -hmm. they're films, but they're also movies. They're also just good popcorn movies, and get that's a, what we like to talk about. Get a tub of corn, mm -hmm. sit down on a beanbag. Just drill a hole in the bottom of the bucket <laughs> and stick, stick your, your dinger right through there. Stick your lightsaber in there. <laughs> Vroom, lightsaber on! <laughs> All right, uh, good up. Boy. We gotta go. Bye. Bye. That's an atypical I Love Films episode. Weird episode. <laughs> those guys seem to take on a... Like, gross. <laughs> I don't like those guys anymore. Uh -huh. Really went downhill. Um, we are, of course, talking about the band Q2, and if you heard last week's episode, um, God bless you. Yeah, thanks for checking that out. And if you haven't got a Hey Penny as well, God bless you. What? If you haven't got a Hey Penny, God bless you. Huh. Okay. <laughs> you don't know what that is? No. Christmas is coming, the geese are getting fat. Please to put a penny in the old man's hat. If you haven't got a penny, then a hey penny will do. If you haven't got a hey penny, then God bless you. I have no idea what that is. You don't know what that song is? No. Let me sing it again. Christmas is coming, the geese are getting fat. Please to put a penny in the old man's hat. If you haven't got a penny, then a hey penny will do. If you haven't got a hey penny, then God bless you. Are you glad we live in 2018 so a goose getting fat is is no longer a thing? It's no longer it's a, a concern anymore. Yeah, it's like, oh, let me get the fat goose, let me get the skinny goose, who cares? Yeah. You know what I think is weird? Hay pennies, half pennies. Is like that a, what a hay penny is? Yeah, a penny used to be so... Worth so much mm -hmm. that even if you were to cut one in half, it would still be like, hey, you can still buy out most of the store with that. How would you cut a penny in half back then? What ba kind of equipment? Yeah, basically you just need to get the uh, pruning shears and yeah. just like, you know, have a go at it. And Is that why they call them penny shears and. Penny shears, yeah. The coasts? Yeah, yeah. Penny, penny shears. Penny shears. Is what it more commonly is known. The uh, penishers. Hand me the penishers. 
And and the the movie The Punisher as well came out of that as well because he would take the shears and torture criminals uh, with that's it. Right. Yeah, but he used to, instead of a skull, he used to have just like a big symbol of a penny. Oh, weird! On his shirt I, with just Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> there's now now I'm like getting because there's and a people part, would be like, "Are you Abraham Lincoln, man? <laughs> Who are like, you? No, it's a penny. It's a, a penisher, and that's why he eventually had to change it to the skull. To the skull because he's just like these criminals are. They don't know. They I'm may a be a badass. cowardly and superstitious lot, but they're not getting it. And then there's that scene in the the in Empire Strikes Back where Luke Skywalker is just like, "Look at my penny shears, Daddy! Daddy, check these out." <laughs> um, what were we talking about? <laughs> oh God! You know what? I don't know. I don't know. Who? We'll never know. Oh, yeah. Uh. You too. What child is this? I think it's you too. I'm in a Christmassy mood. What what was it? The, the, it's lucky that this is the Christmas episode. Then. <laughs> of course. Yeah. What is the um Stop you, pointing at me. The uh Stop. When, I know you're talking to me. When you we, don't have to when, point at me. When we reviewed Songs of Experience and it was the music is so you too y, you uh-huh. you said that they were it's as if they stepped out on stage and they're like, where you to? <laughs> I don't remember that, but Very it sounds funny. like me. Thanks. Uh, always okay. Nice to, always nice to hear reviews. Yeah, it's always nice to meet a fan. Speaking of reviews, we had Andy Daly on the show last week talking about the Great. Songs of Experience tour and uh, and Phoebe as well. Great to hear from those guys. But now you we got to hear from the horses' mouths themselves. That's right, us. We have mouths and we're yep. horses. Yep. We are now fully horses. Fully I don't know if people fucking horses F-H, here. H, y'all, fully horse. <laughs> Turned into horses. I think it would be fun to be a horse. Oh, me too. Like, you have no cares. Nope. You can you just know what I mean? stand there and poop and then walk away from it. <laughs> you just walk away and be like, someone else will clean this yeah, up. Yeah, that's or not my concern. It'll just crumble into the ground either way. Yep. It'll, I don't give a shit. It'll help the trees grow. That's where I don't give a shit was first coined, was yeah. by horses. People that had turned into horses and then immediately see the attributes of that would be that. I mean, honestly, like, and this is a real thing. Yeah. If you were to go out in public and do what a horse does, just do 25% of what a horse does in mm-hmm. public, you'd be arrested. Yeah, you'd be executed. And But are we executing horses? No. Well, sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. If they break their legs? <laughs> Yeah, they're done. <laughs> they are done. So, <laughs> you break your leg, horse. You are out of here. Uh, there's like that. I'm never clear on horses and what's wrong with that. Like why, when it's time to like. It I is kind of weird thing. that a horse breaks its leg, and we're you like, "Well, you don't it. deserve to live anymore." It's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's fucking. I guess it's it's like a lot of trouble to wheel one around in a wheelbarrow or something. I don't know, but also it's Did huge. You say wheelbarrow or wheelbarrow. I never say that never, word. Never, never. Absolutely not. I'm yeah. sorry that I said it. Yeah. But it's very cruel, isn't it? But it's also huge. You now have to deal with this giant, it's like a car that you I mean, have to take I'll tell apart. you, if you're running a glue factory and you get that call, man, you are happy on that it's day. There's a lot of Elmers to <laughs> squirt in your face. Yo, Elmer! Get over here. My horse just broke its leg. How much of the horse do they use for glue? Is it just the hooves? It seems like a waste. Doesn't it? Is it, it just, just the hooves? I'm uh, asking. Just the hooves. Just the hooves. That's <laughs> a horse when it's trying to have sex with its girlfriend. <laughs> just the hooves. <laughs> I don't want the hooves in there. Just the 
I want your giant horse dick. Come on, just the hooves. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Hugh 2. We got to get to it, Adam. We got to talk. I just a- like the idea of a horse, like, bargaining. <laughs> bargaining to, like, I don't know. Oh, God. You know, horses' lives and our lives, they're interchangeable at they're this point. They're very similar. Very, very similar. We got to get to talking about Hugh, too, because we have a lot of yeah, stuff to yeah, talk yeah, about. Yeah. So let's, um, last week you heard about our uh, experiences. God, that word keeps popping up, and it's the songs of uh, experience. Yeah. Uh, album tour Um, but uh, you heard about uh, Andy and I going to see the the show at the Los Angeles Forum where I was very sick and Andy uh, is a curmudgeon who (laughs) sits there judging the whole thing Yeah, and then uh, we flew out to uh, Madison Square Garden uh, to go see it with Phoebe but we didn't really talk about our behind the scenes experience of how all of this came to be well first of all Tulsa was something we had been planning for a long time. Right. Okay, so here's here's what the initial offer was from our good friend Laura, who works with you two, months and months ago. Yeah, a long time ago. I think in December. Yes. Uh, back when we did our episode about the album, this this is something she floated out to us. Yes. She said, guys, when the tour starts at the end of April— we want to fly you and your wives to Tulsa yeah. to see the band perform the entire show that they're going to put on the night before just for you. Their, like, final rehearsal. Their final rehearsal. They're going to do every single song, and they're going to do it just for you guys. And, and we could have run around in the, the stadium and just followed them wherever they went. Mm-hmm. And and be just right there going, ah, mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. And we want to do that for you the night before the tour opener. And you guys are are invited down to Tulsa to do it. So we had a good we had a good five month lead time on this mm-hmm. where we put it in our in our calendars, or mm-hmm. at least I put it in my calendar. Mm-hmm. And um, so we knew about this. Look, these kind of things they fall apart all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when when we got that offer from Laura, as as genuine, I know as genuinely as it was offered, it also could have fallen apart just as easily, and it there would be no hard feelings. Uh, but at the same time, it was something that was on the calendar of like, I kept sort of moving stuff off of those dates. Yeah. Occasionally I'd be like, oh no, 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 I can't do that because of I, I remember saying to Kulop all the time, like, no, we can't do that because of the U2 thing. That yeah. was a constant refrain of, of me too. U2. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and in fact, uh, Kulop, her film debuted, at the um, Arkansas, the film festival out there in Bentonville, Arkansas, um, which was relatively close to Tulsa and and happened the night before this. Oh, it would have been perfect. It would have been perfect because I could have driven just right. Because yeah. I guess the Tul- Tulsa is not easy to get to. No, there's no direct There's flight. no direct flights. You have yeah. to go to a different place and then drive. Yeah. So for me, it was super easy. I would have just driven from Bentonville a couple hours to Tulsa, been right there. And so everything was coming up roses for me. Yeah. It was incredible. So, you know, the months would go by and we would check in with Laura every once in a while of like, just checking in if this is still happening. Right, because it sounded like the kind of thing that's like, a little too good to be true. Like yes. we would talk and be like, "Do you think this? Do you is think still this is on? actually going to happen?" And, and she would be like, "Yeah, we're still looking good." It's, Isn't that it's, basically? Well, yeah, it's a lot like when when I did that between two ferns episode with Obama, 
everyone kept saying like, yeah, it's happening. And Zach and I were like, no, it's not. Yeah, it's never going <laughs> to happen. This is never going to happen. Yeah. Including an hour before we filmed it, we were at the White House just going like, no, he's getting a call and this right, is not right, happening. Right. So we kept... Laura kept saying, yeah, no, no, it's happening. And we were like, uh-huh, sure, 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 yeah. it's happening. So cut to the month of April comes in, and I've been pushing stuff off of these dates, but without, like, any clear-cut plan. Like, yeah. Laura keeps saying, yes, it's happening, but we yeah. don't have, like, a clear, like, okay, it's these dates, it's these dates. So things Or, like, when we should go out there. Yeah, it's yeah. all a little bit confusing. So we kept thinking, like, all right, this is probably... This is probably not happening. It's a little bit confusing. And then, uh, finally, we get the go-ahead of, like, yes, it's definitely happening. Uh, I believe it was April 29. Uh, can you come out on April 29? And what happens? Uh, I was doing a show... <laughs> That I don't want to say which show, but you do, uh, we can't say which show it no, is. No, because I think it's uh, right. To be but you got one day of work on a, on a show that's not even your own show. No, nope. and, and you it's not movable, right? And so you did a guest star role on a show instead of this. <laughs> I couldn't go. <laughs> it was something I committed you, uh, to w- w- because you got and, confused on the dates and as well. The date. Was, did not <laughs> land properly, right. and they could not move they it not and move accommodate it. because they and were you had putting, already taken it. They were putting all of my work for for I multiple apps couple, in one into day. one day, yeah. and they had already rearranged the schedule. And and yeah. coming from uh, a show like when you did the the second to last episode of Comedy Bang Bang, it was very similar where. Y- y- we had to do everything within a compacted. Uh, uh, day and it had to be a certain day and you were nice enough to because uh, at, at a certain point I was having a little trouble scheduling you through your people because I think you thought it was a normal episode of the show and then when I reached out to you I said oh no 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 it's the second to last episode ever you didn't know the show was going away yeah. and and I laid out what it was you were like oh of course and you like dropped everything that you yeah, were doing yeah, yeah. so being on the other side of it I I can see yeah. like how how nice that is of you to do something like that, and it's very important for that show. Uh, and nice of them to put it all on a day, a day. But so, it's scheduling of a TV show is so complicated yeah. that it just kind of fell apart. <laughs> so like a week before it became clear that I could not that you go could not to do Tulsa. It. And I'm not going to go to Tulsa and be the only. And by the way, Kulop couldn't go because she was at Bentonville and Naomi. Couldn't go. So I would have been the only person. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I kind of wish I had gone and yeah. just called their bluff and been like, no one else is coming. It's yeah. just me. Put on this show for me, guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, we didn't feel like – I felt like it was kind of a package deal. Like it had to be both of us. I'm sure they would have been fine with you going. I don't think so. I think it was a package deal. <laughs> no. Well. So unfortunately, we did not get that experience of going to see them in Tulsa. Here's what I'll say mm-hmm. is that – I'm happy the way it ended up working out. Yes. Because I think the day before their the, their tour opener, getting sitting down with them, they mm-hmm. would have been so nervous. Yeah. Preoccupied. Preoccupied is better, probably, of just yeah. like there's so much shit going on yeah. that suddenly we have to, we're getting to interview them and yeah. our, you know, our tour's about to go on. What? We have to do it in front of these guys? Yeah. Like I feel like it would have been a 
a, a bad situation. And what ended up happening is pretty incredible. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, but at the time it was a huge bummer. It was a huge bummer uh, and one that I hope when people see you on that show, they really appreciate your work on it because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a big sacrifice for you yeah. to do. And then the L.A. show rolls around like a month and a half later, and as we explained last week, I couldn't go to that couldn't either. Couldn't go to that either. It just seems like all of our U2 hopes have been dashed. And I thought, well, am I not going to see this tour? Like, is this the one U2 tour I will not see? And I I kept checking in with you after you missed the L.A. show, and we were like, well, we have to go somewhere to see it. So we kept checking in of of, – and you're doing Big Little Lies at the time. Yeah. And so you're only getting your schedule on – basically, when you you work as an actor – on something, you'll get your schedule like the Friday before next week and they'll lay out what days you have off. Right. Pretty much. So I would say, what about this show? And you go, I won't know until the Friday yeah. before if I can do it. And every single time that it seemed like we had an opportunity to go, you would get your schedule and have to work on those days. Yeah. And we thought like maybe if we go see them in like a smaller market, we'll get more time with yes. them or more access. So at whatever certain points we were talking about going to uh, oh, Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia was one that we were going to go to. Washington, D.C. We yep. were going to meet Phoebe out at Washington, yep. D.C. at one point. All of those kept falling through, yep. and Laura kept saying, like, guys, can you yep. come? Can you come? It, and weirdly, it seemed like uh, Laura and the band were chasing us coming out even more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. So, yeah. so finally, there's only two days left on the tour. Yeah. There's uh, a Madison Square Garden date, and then I think they ended in Connecticut, Connecticut or something. Somewhere. Yeah, and there's also a New Jersey, and we thought the New Jersey was going to work out. That ended up not working. Yeah, because I had to. My son was coming home from camp, and I didn't want to miss seeing him arrive and at remembering the what he looks airport. like. <laughs> exactly. And so, we're like, oh yeah, you. We. I was able to do that, and then get on a flight. Like, it's 6 the next morning. 6 a.m. the next morning. I had come out to New York the day before. That's right. I got to uh, see uh, uh, Tatiana Maslany's play, uh-huh. uh, the the Tracy Letts play, and uh, got to hang out at the UCB. The Del Close Marathon was happening. That was great. Awesome. Uh, and, um, and then you got in at approximately 3.35 the day of the show. Uh, fr- uh, in JFK Airport, and we are supposed to meet at four fifteen ish. I so. landed at two thirty. We needed to. Be I got everything at wrong. Madison Square Garden <laughs> at four fifteen or four fifteen. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is tight, and we're yes. we're checking in. Like, is Adam going to make it? Is Adam going to make it? Um, spoiler alert: You made it. Uh, yeah, I made it right on time. Although straight from the airport, so I was like. Although you went, you went to the hotel and you washed your little balls, I think, and in between um, your penis are your little balls. In yes. between my penis, and my, <laughs> no, in between <laughs> our interview and the show, we went back to the hotel. Yeah, we went back we, to the hotel, yeah. but I think you you dropped your bag. Oh, off, did I? Certainly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Why do I know this better than you? I don't know. Maybe because I'm sitting here in a stress ball. <laughs> When's Adam gonna get? Yeah, it? yeah. Um, but so so, what is on the schedule for us that uh, has been set up is that we are going to get to sit down. First of all, we are told we're going to get to sit down with Bonobos himself. I yeah. believe lead singer of the band U two. 
Yes, he's the the singer, the lead singer. Yeah. Lead singer. Yeah. So everyone sings is like no, a just, barbershop quartet situation. I think he and he and Fedge uh, sing, but he is the they, lead they trade off. singer. No, well, they're co-lead singers. No, he is the lead singer, uh, hmm. and Fedge. So he sings the word "lead" over and over. I think that's what it means, but I'm not. I've never listened to the words. Yeah, me neither. Uh, so lead in quotation marks singer singer meaning that word is that word said over and over quite yeah. a bit. Mm-hmm. Fedge is the backup singer, like he does backing. He vocals does like doo-wop backups and sings uh, songs about backs. Yeah, and as we talked about last week, uh, not singing about butts because that's not part no, of the back. Not at all. Definitely not part of. The and back. when you sing about backs and talk about backs, they call it backing. Mm-hmm. Backing vocals. Backing vocals. It is interesting that there are, there's really only one famous song that I can think of that sings about backs. What's that? Baby Got Back. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All the other songs about backs, you think they're about backs, but it's like, you know, get back where you belong. It tricks you. But that song, Baby Got Back, what's so special about a baby having a back? And that's the other thing. It's actually about a butt. It tricks you into thinking, oh, boy, I'm going to hear a song Why about a back. Why does he call it a back? I don't get it. Sir Mix-a-Lot, got a lot of issues with you. Yeah. Maybe that's why that song never ended up being famous or any like a hit anything or of note. Yeah, yeah. Uh, off the Charlie's Angels soundtrack, and it was on Friends. Was it? Yeah. When we're on a break, <laughs> we're on a break. I'm gonna listen to Baby Got Back yeah, during our break. Baby Got Back is on uh, was on Friends TV show. <laughs> Weird. Why? Uh, I don't remember, but I do remember was someone being... dancing or something to it. I. Think so. Why I is think that so. seared into your memory? You know, I memory, know. we we remember things and we forget other things. The things we remember are tied into strong emotions. Mm. So uh, the things that you can remember in, in extreme detail are, are when your yeah. emotions are involved. So I was, why- I was watching it while riding a roller coaster. <laughs> okay. So you're very frightened you're going to yeah. die. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, we're told that uh, Bonobos himself yeah. is going to sit down to an interview with us, mm-hmm. and then uh, a guy that we haven't talked about up to this point, Adam Clay, 2,000 pounds, is going to take us on a tour yeah. of the entire stage and backstage and, and on stage. this is something we did not ask for. This no, is something that No, and in fact, Laura, we were trying to turn them down and say, no, 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 no. Yeah, not interested. <laughs> no, but Laura did kind of present this to us as a thing for Adam Clay 2000 pounds to show us around, which was, was so, so cool. What yeah. a great idea. So, um, and we're told that Larry is busy. Yes. Larry Mullen, senior son. Yeah. He's busy, apparently. Busy. And Fedge, we don't know where he's at yeah. in this whole thing. Yeah. So uh, the day comes around and uh, Laura gets a hold of us and says, hey, guess what? Fedge is coming to this interview. Yeah. It's going to be Bonobos and Fedge, both of them. But when did we find that out? Like the day before? Somewhere around the day before or something. We, it, was, it was up in the air. We didn't know. But and then while we were waiting, do we want to talk about the room they brought us into backstage? Yeah, we will. I'll tell you what. Why don't we take a break? Okay. We'll take you into this room. When, when we come back in our next segment, we are going to be talking to Bonobos and Fedge themselves. That's right. The lead singer, apparently, and the backing singer of the band Hootie. We'll be right back with more You Talking You Two to me after this. Dreaming sound. I could see the lights in front of me. I thought my head was harder than ground. I could see the lights in front of me. Oh, man. 
Guess what I get to talk about today? I'm so excited that they're back sponsoring you talking you two to me. Squarespace! That's right. Everyone has dreams, right? I think you'd have to be insane if you... I, I read a short story once about someone who didn't dream and it turned them insane because they didn't sleep. So you you probably sleep, and when you do, you probably dream. Well, if you do have a dream, turn your dream into a reality with Squarespace. Squarespace, what they do, here's basically what Squarespace is. They make it easier than ever to launch your passion project. Maybe you're looking to start a new business. Hmm? Maybe you want to showcase your work. Huh? Maybe you want to publish content. Maybe you want to sell products. Whatever. Whatever you want to do. Squarespace is the tool for you. Here's what Squarespace does. They have beautiful templates created by world-class designers and the ability to customize just about anything with just a few clicks. You can easily make a beautiful website yourself. It's so easy. We've done, I've done it at home. My wife, all of her websites are Squarespace websites. They're so easy. Squarespace's powerful e-commerce functionality lets you sell anything online and their analytics help you grow your site in real time. Everything optimized for mobile right out of the box. Nothing to patch or upgrade ever. And buying domains is simple. You get all the help you need with Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support. Squarespace empowers millions of people from designers to lawyers to artists to gamers, lawyers, designers, the lawyers, the artists, the gamers, glamers, flamers, blamers, even restaurants and gyms, the lowest on the totem pole of businesses. All of these people, they turn great ideas into something real. So head to squarespace.com slash Bono for a free trial. He'll be very honored to be included in this. Squarespace.com slash Bono. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code Bono. You're going to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com slash Bono. Offer code Bono. That you do. You talking you two to me, we're back. <laughs> Adam's talking about a salad he's getting delivered. Um, all right. So we're talking about uh, uh, our backstage in Madison Square Garden uh, experience. So I get there a little bit before you. I check in with Laura. I'm there with Jared, our engineer, who mm-hmm. uh, came. Did a great job. Did a great job. So we're uh, put into a room because there's there's a room that we're supposed to be in that's not quite ready yet. And then we're also uh, oh yeah we're we're put into like a dressing room like a dressing room and the, and we we look at there's a picture um, on on one of the kind of roadie cases and uh, we took a picture of it it's, it's got tape on it that says Guy Oseri yeah it, like it's his personal roadie case or I something. feel like it's it's it was spray painted on there Guy Oseri like this is his. Maybe it might have been written on tape. I can't remember, but um, so we're just hanging out backstage, and we're told that um, Fedge likes to go say hi to the crowds who gather around the sort of backstage entrance, and so he has gone off and done that, and that's going to take a minute. Adam gets there, no problem. Um, I thought that that meant 
the interview was now just Bono again or Bonobo. So it wasn't – Fedge was not going to be Right. I think that I got – because I was there with Laura talking about it, I think I knew that it was just something like, oh, he's going to go off and do this while we're waiting. Right, and I'm stupid and And, and you're, you're dumb. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. So. exactly. Um, so we're kind of waiting and uh, – we then she brings us into she brings us into this room that they've set up. What's really funny about it is is she brings us into this room that I had assumed that was there all the time. Like this is the standard setup for the backstage because it's got it's got all these TV monitors that are showing like the sort of the clip package of the tour. Yeah. It's got posters for the tour everywhere. It's got candles. It's got little uh, even the candles are branded U two. Yeah, so it's uh, like I go, oh, this is what they set up every single show. Apparently, they set that up just for the interview for no. us. Yeah, they did. <laughs> really? I, I thought it was like the standard green room. For no, them. it was. It was not. It, it was not a room that they normally use. They set it up really? just for us. Yeah, because there were bowls filled. With you two, uh, not only tour, but Madison Square Garden Innocence Experience Tour. What are those things you put on the back of the phone? The back of the phone to take selfies with or something? Or what are they? The, they the like pop-ups. Pop-up pop outs. What yeah, is so that's they, called? So they had like you two, these things that you put on the back of the phone so you can hold your phone. Yeah. They have bowls filled with them. Bowls and, filled with them, and it's just for us. And you two. Madison Square Garden refrigerator magnets. Yeah, and that we assumed that it, this was something like a bunch of people are going to be going in and out of all night or whatever, but no, it was just set up for our interview. Did Laura tell you that? Yeah. That's crazy because there was also just posters and branded merchandise everywhere yeah. in this room. It was, <laughs> And all I took were a couple of those pop-out things from my kids. I didn't even take a magnet because I just was like, was like, these are for other ours. people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's but crazy. you you, I, you offered me one. You were like, hey, do you want one of these pop-ups? I yeah. was like, go, yeah, sure. And then you go, do you want two? I'm like, because I've never had one. I go, how many are you supposed to put on your phone? Yeah. And you go, one? I go, well, then why would I want two? And you go, I don't know. Give it to a friend. I said Kulop, and you're like, she would She's never want that. <laughs> So I, if I knew they were for us, I would have taken three instead of two. Sure, I would have taken the whole bowl. I would have taken the whole bowl and shoved it up my ass. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have. So how do how do you, I gotta how do you feel going into this interview? Here's my theory on it. Yeah. Okay. I kind of view it as like a band. Okay, so our first interview, you know how when a band does their first album. They have had their entire lives to write yeah. these songs, yeah. and they've been thinking about it forever. And their first album is just this raw burst of energy that yeah. they, that of songs they've been thinking about for years, yeah. if not their whole lives. And then their second album, they have approximately six weeks to record, yeah. <laughs> and they've used up all of their songs. And so often, that's the, what they call the sophomore slump, yeah. is because they uh, they there's nothing uh, left to there's say. There's nothing. There's nothing in the tank. I sort of worried about that with this of like, is this going to be our October in yeah. a way? You know, is this interview? Do we have stuff to to uh, to think of? Me to say? too. I was worried. Like, why? Why do we need to interview them again? And like, I was, how, what more do we have to <laughs> to bring to the table? Yeah, and is the kind of novelty and fun of it going to be worn off because the the craziness of us even getting the getting in, in a room with place, them? is sort of worn off. And so I was concerned about that too. So writing questions beforehand, 
I listened to the album. Um, I thought about the tour. Um, I, I, and you know what? There was a lot. I, I found that there was a lot to talk about with the tour, especially with the themes of it yeah. and song selection. And, and there also were, was just a bunch of stuff. I feel like we were more comfortable with them. Yeah. I think it's uh, a better time. interview than the first one. It's a better interview than the first one. I will say that the the one time I'm just going to qualify this before <laughs> you hear it, the one time that I got that I started because I came in pretty comfortable, but the one time that I you start to hear nerves in my voice is the very first question I ask. Right. Bonobos is looking at me. Just imagine Bonobos looking with his face scrunched up, like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> And I'm sitting there going like, holy shit, have I insulted him? Yeah, yeah. What? Did, did I blow this on the very first question? And he's looking at me like, what? Yeah. And I think, and then in retrospect, after listening to it back, I think he just was, Listen. we didn't have headphones on. He was just listening to me. Yeah. Um, but I started to get in my head about it. So you hear that in my voice a little yeah. bit. But I think we have a good time. Yeah. Um, I think it ends, and you know, a lot has happened in YouTube world since our last interview. I mean, mm -hmm. the Joshua Tree tour, they have a new record out. Trump happened. So a lot has happened like in the world. Gump happens. Since, yeah. Um, <laughs> they've probably been to Bubba Gump Shrimp. Hey, what about company? Forrest Trump? Is that anything? Uh, yeah, I think there's something there. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go right there. You know what? Let's pause. The <laughs> let's podcast. pause. Let's, yeah, let's, let's go right back. Sit down and, and get into a sesh. <laughs> um, so what you're going to hear now is a 45-minute unedited interview with Bonobos and Fedge. Both of them were kind enough to give us uh, way more time than, than was allotted. Yeah. Um, so let's get into it. What do you say? Yeah. They were, they were so cool, and they were, it was fun. All right. So let's hear what Adam describes as cool and fun. <laughs> we can cut that part out. <laughs> no, nah, I think we're okay. We're gonna, here it is. This is our exclusive. We did not give this to anyone else. Uh, Entertainment Tonight, Access Hollywood, we did not give this interview to any other outlet. It's solely on you talking you two to me. Here is our exclusive interview with the two members of U2 right now. All right, uh, welcome. This is Scott and Scott. We're here at Madison Square Garden, the U2 Experience and Innocence Tour 2018. And with us today, our friends, our good friends. Is that safe to say? That's safe to say. Uh, We're working up to acquaintance. Okay, yeah. yeah. There we go. Starting in a very good friends and then <laughs> downgraded. Yeah. We have Bonobos, of course, yes. and Fedge is here with us. Welcome, guys. It's so great to be here. Second appearance on the on the show. You're friends Only of the second. show now. That's the thing that hurts. That's the thing, yeah. Should have been more than that, but. Yeah. Why uh, not uh, every year or so? Yeah. I, I thought it was supposed to, Annual. the last appearance was supposed to end our appearance <laughs> yeah. and, and take away from you both the, the weight. The and, urge you know, to the, have you guys on the, again. The burden uh -huh. of having to, to, uh, to follow through on, on your podcast. Um, but um, we are very delighted to be in your company. It's like, it's, uh, it makes a show day feel like a bit of a day out, actually. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Well, thank it's, you so it's, uh, it's been a while since you guys... We're on the show, and so we're wondering, since then, uh, how has being on our podcast changed your lives? Well, it's given it a new level of meaning and uh -huh. significance that I 
frankly was struggling to attain before that yeah. but yeah. Mm. you know it's it's really Thanks suddenly i have that. a purpose in life right sure. yeah which is just <laughs> i can't thank you guys enough i don't know where i would be in my life now if i hadn't got on your podcast it's our um, pleasure it really is i uh, feel i feel the same um i i'm i i was thinking um that there are tax advantages to starting your own religion and, sure. and in that, America for sure. Do you know who L. Ron Hubbard is? Oh, oh yeah, of course. Yes, for sure. I get a lot edge, of their mail. Do you think the Edge could be like could yeah. be a sort of a, a kind of a spiritual leader a of that sort? Yeah. Do you own a yacht? Uh, I, I I have a part of a boat, and I have a. It's not really a yacht. The yeah. one I, I have on my own, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think I could possibly, given a bit of time. I, I think I need to lay out some clear. Parameters. Because we could all might take me a while. Myself and say three weeks or so. Give me, sir. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And we get the boat out into international waters, and, and then laws don't really happen. apply. We can do whatever yeah. we want out That's there, right? right? You may need some equipment like the e-meter stuff, right? Or, yeah. Don't we then need a colony somewhere that we can yes. establish? Yes. Now we're going to colonize their a utopian. <laughs> there you go. That's, I like the way you're thinking. Elrond did. So oh. we're in on the ground floor of okay. this. I hope that's okay. All right, that's so next time we meet, fine. we'll have it all organized and ready out. to go. Good. I'll have it. Cool. I think and there's I'll, not robes. It's, uh, we can, can we, uh, I've we come up with a name. Oh. We are the Frisbeterians. Yes. 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 And, and we, we all throw Frisbees. And we all believe that when we die, our soul goes on the garage roof and we can't get it back. <laughs> yes. yes. There you go. That sounds that's great. The principle. And we'll take it from there. I mean, everything else should okay. fall into place. <laughs> um, so... The tour that you're just about wrapping it up here in America, then you're going to Europe, right? And then the UK, True. I think. Uh, did you guys see Springsteen on Broadway? Oh, yes. I did. It's so good. It is really great. Um, it, when I saw it, it actually reminded me of this tour a lot because okay. he's, te- he's, he's using a show to tell a story, to tell a narrative story about his past uh, in a way that you guys did. The, the minute I saw it, I was like, this is exactly what you two did. Mm-hmm. Um, just using the music to tell a story about where you'd come from, uh, where you are now. Is that, uh, is that important to you when you're, when you're doing a tour to do more than just play songs, to actually tell a story like that? I mean, Bruce, strange enough, is one of the exceptions uh, in this regard because... The kind of human jukebox aspect of what he does, you know, he can, you know, he changes songs around in a set list, right. and that's mm-hmm. part of the excitement of going to see him play. Mm-hmm. So I think it's quite unusual to see Bruce on Broadway stripped down to telling the tale, and we we don't mess with our set list that much. On the original Innocence and Experience tour, I think it was about 20 songs that varied over the whole tour. Hmm. But in this, it's like only a few. We've gone deeper on the storytelling on this one. And look, it is a sort of mad arrogance to think that people should be interested in your story. Because in the end, it's like, are the tunes any good? Shut up. <laughs> and But I think that is, you know, that's at, the, that's at the core of the megalomania of wanting to be in a band in the first place is you or any artist. You know, any writer, you just you 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 believe that maybe you might have an angle on something. You might have something you want to share with people that might be of interest. And so this is very autobiographical. I mean, Edge's life and is much more interesting or Larry's or Adam's. 
but I've got the microphone and I'm not letting it go. And I'm just, I'm here in my 50s singing about my mother. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Do you guys collaborate on the story uh, beforehand? Do you, what's the artistic process like when you're sort of coming up with the tour? I think songs are the, the, the tent poles of the whole thing. So it, it came out of Songs of Innocence and then continued into Songs of Experience, where it just felt for the first time in a while, the right moment for us to become more introspective and to actually start writing from a very personal place. Because you two, traditionally, you know, we, we've always written in a very universal kind of style where we're trying to hit on the issues of the moment and trying to kind of find common ideas that everyone can relate to. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> common ideas that everyone can relate to. <laughs> But one of the common myths, ideas. <laughs> but one of the myths. Just what happened there was we should was learn amazing. from it because that was a um, a person who works in Madison Square Gardens walking in through the wrong door into the dressing room, and and walking out as if this was completely the right thing to do. Right, so yeah. the lesson for us all there is: if you make a mistake, just just act like you belong here. Yeah, yeah. Do, do it twice. <laughs> Keep moving do out the door. <laughs> That's what just happened. That was kind of great. That was yeah. really great. Yes. Just, made, just unless it was this is a radio Hubbard. type of podcast thing, a yeah. person just walked through, <laughs> oh, yeah. opening the door. <laughs> we had a visitation. Maybe so, a future follower. So the, the songs kind of led, led us into this narrative approach to the show, and it grew. And you know, a lot of you two projects, you, you sort of set course, and then you, you try and follow the clues down the road and see where it gets you. And I think that's what happened in this case. And this time out, no songs from the Joshua Tree, having just toured exclusively the songs from the Joshua Tree. Have you found that on this tour to be a challenge? Has it been liberating? How, is, how has it been without the streets have no name moment uh, in the show? We used to say that whatever happened at a U2 show, however shite we ever got when we played with the streets of no name, God would walk through the room. Sure. Yeah. So taking that out, are we... Are we in tr- are we in deep trouble? Yeah, and uh, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, th- so now we're doing podcasts. And uh, thank you for that, by the way. And uh, but it was great being in you two. It was really good. We, <laughs> you had a good, you had run. A good run. We had a good yeah. run. But the the what it did was it's made other songs more important. Yeah. And uh, City of Blinding Lights now has become that kind of moment. Um, and that's and it's a strange thing because people associate it with um, Barack Obama and those yeah. rallies that he gave, which brought so much hope um, to America. And and we're trying to be uh, we're, our stance on this tour is to try and create some sort of space where people might meet in the middle. Yeah. And we're talking about the city shining on the hill and saying, where is that city? And we've been slapping America around the head for most of the show. And, and, and we're saying, no, where is that city on the hill? Could this be the city on the hill? Is it now? Is it here? And then you hear um, the uh, uh, city of blinding lights. And you realize that, he, I mean, this happened to me live. I realized it's not owned by any one community or point of view. If there is a city on the hill, it's owned by people who love life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, etc. And what could be a really corny moment actually, I think, gives, I hope it gives people a sense of, 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 of community and, and, and a patriotism put in the right 
um, perspective because patriotism out of context is so dangerous. And tonight, uh, Willie Williams just handed me an American flag, little tiny one, for for McFisto tonight. (laughs) And uh, because it's the 4th of July and he's wondering, he said... I bet he really loves patriotism. <laughs> he said, you've got to take out the flag. And I'm weighing up whether to do that or not. But anyway, City of Blinding Lights has become what street, where the streets are in our name was before. Yeah. It just, it's a community, a shared community. And, you know, and I, I, think, I think it's doing, it's doing that job. And maybe one as well. What do you think? It? Yeah, I don't, I don't actually miss the songs from the Joshua Tree. We, we played them a lot over the yeah. summer and um, enjoyed that very much but it's very exciting to to concentrate on on the newer material and and then there's you know pride in the name of love desire there's always very big songs we're also you have playing. a lot of hits we, we're, we're <laughs> spoilt in that sense we, you've got plenty we got a lot to, to draw from is there any song off the new record that you would like to fit into the tour that uh, I noticed that uh, you haven't been playing Summer of Love. I know. We're instance. going to, though. You're going to? We played it yesterday for the very oh, first time. I saw yeah. that. Went out of the beach and we played it and it was just a, just a little acoustic performance myself and Edge and and it, it connected and yeah. uh, there were a lot of uh, people. It was a, like a little radio thing and uh, there was a lot of people out on the beach uh, there. All the Irish ones were being burnt. Uh, that was really obvious. <laughs> you could really, there was a lot of, uh, it was very clear to spot the ethnic groups. <laughs> and there's the Irish right there. Is it this was Boston. Way, is this the most tan that you get right here? Or? Uh, this is uh, this is the color of rage. Sorry, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, uh, but, but so we did, we did, we did Summer of Love and we got to talk about it and where it came from. Oh, great. And it was strange because, uh, I know this was a comedy podcast, but it, it, there's sort of nothing funny about being on your vacation, which myself and Edge have been on this vacation together for years. We holiday together in the south of France. We're there, and Adam and Larry Not join us. Not just the two of us, I just want to point <laughs> out. Like, there are other people. <laughs> We'd love to come by as well. If, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, we've, we've had amazing times uh, that, you know, there. And then just recently you hear these stories of people strapping themselves to rafts and, you know, tin cans and, and you know, nurses and teachers and people risking their life and limb running from this war in, in Syria. And it's the same sea. It's just over there. And it's just a funny thing. I'm not saying it stopped us from having, you know, a fun with our families. But it just it's just like it's like a it's like a cloud on the horizon. You can just feel it. And it's exactly what's happening in the United States right now on your borders. So this song, Summer of Love, is becoming, I think, an important song uh, as we go into experience and instance in Europe and Red Flag Day. Uh, also, sorry about the long answers. No, no, that's great. Yeah, questions. when I saw that performance I'm a short yesterday, singer. yeah, when I saw that performance yesterday, I was like, "This is really resonant to what's happening in the United States right now," mm. um, and it just, you know, it takes on a whole new meaning for the song. I, you know, I was just really, uh, I'm stoked to hear that it's gonna go in the show. That's great. And their tunes, "Red Flag Day" is right up there with yeah. our best tunes. Mm-hmm. Feels like an early U2 song. And of course, we've got a lot of younger people who think it is a uh, right. It's, uh, it it you know. sure has that sound. It's yeah. A, yeah. Summer it's of Love. Tempo. I think Summer of Love has one of the best guitar lines too. That just the 
guitar line that you created for it is is just so unique. It's it really. I was listening listening to the record today, and it just really popped out as like, wow, this is like such I an love amazing. It. And the other one that hasn't probably got as much attention as it deserves is the Showman. Oh, that's, oh, just, that's showman, one of my yeah. favorites. I love. That. I call that the White Album tune on on, on right. the record. All yeah. our mates and our songwriters and in bands. That's their favorite. Oh tune. yeah, that's my. Yeah. And we were going to play it. And and we we I think we might have a go in Europe, but uh, um, babies cry because born to sing. Singers cry about everything. Yeah, Still it reminds me. In the playground, me. falling off a swing. <laughs> but you know that I know. Walk through the room like a birthday cake. Uh, if I'm all lit up, I can't make a mistake. But there's a level of shallow that you just can't fake. You know that I know. <laughs> all that. It's so fun. It's it great. reminds me of like, you know, in a really great way, it reminds me of like a good song by the monkeys, you know, where right. like <laughs> I imagine you guys having fun and like running around while you're like performing. It's like a Beatles tune. Yeah. yeah. I think Beatles and Hammer and Scott, the best line of the album, which I wish was mine, but it's uh Jimmy Iovine who, you know, mm -hmm. who was our producer from years ago and then produced kind of all the hip hop uh with Interscope Records and the Defiant Ones. Jimmy Iovine oh, yeah. and the Defiant Ones. And a friend of ours was 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 taking him on in a thing and he'd, he'd done something a little precious or something and our mate says i said oh jimmy a little insecure are we <laughs> and jimmy said i got just enough insecurity to get me where i want to go <laughs> dude <laughs> and my mate shriveled and uh, but so i put it in there it goes it is what it is it's not what it seems this screwed up stuff is the stuff of dreams i got just enough low self-esteem yeah to get me where I want to go. That's the word, self-esteem. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Do you, uh, what, uh, Bob Geldof came out today in an interview saying that uh, he sang karaoke with you. Uh, many times. Many times. And he said, you take it very, very seriously. Many, many times. Um, I take him very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> what he does not deserve that. What is your go-to <laughs> karaoke jam, would you say? I think, first of all, people who do funny karaoke jams like hello I'm hilarious mm -hmm. don't be in the room with yeah. them mm -hmm. if you're not going to commit yeah. it's just let's not go there I'm at the moment I'm going for 70s um, soft rock and I think that's the way I did try to be cool once and I did I tried to sing uh, What's New Pussycat <laughs> uh, but Tom Jones it's impossible to sing it's very I'm, I, I think go for emotion all the time if you don't leave people crying into their uh, you know, into their beers. I used to worse. sing Roy Orbison crying. That would be. Oh, there you go. That that yeah. would be. That'd be a good go. one. Very good dr dramatic. I would do it very, very dramatically. I think that's that's the people who are just kind of up there for a laugh. No, take it very seriously. No, you've got to you have the stage. What's yours, Edge? What are you? I I remembered on one occasion I really hit it with Daydream Believer the monkeys oh, mm -hmm. oh yeah kind of worked for me it's something about the range on Pop Mart you were you I ended up doing on Pop that Mart that was, that was the um, Edge the used, to do I used to be able to sing the best karaoke every night on yeah. Pop Mart so really we, and we thought it was a very kind of pop art idea and Edge and it all went swimmingly well until what happened the Macarena <laughs> oh no <laughs> just a really bad choice uh, and it was the problem was we were singing it because the Macarena is from one tradition, one side of Spain, but and we kind of didn't quite appreciate that we were in the other part of Spain where they like to think of themselves as different yeah. and they have a different dialect, and so everything was wrong. It's <laughs> so, like singing Yankee doing, doing it, it, no, it's, it was right. oh yeah. boy, so yeah, went down like a 
Let the just, oh no! It was really okay. funny, and I was just like, "This is gonna be great! This is gonna be great. Yeah, They're yeah. gonna, You're love, gonna this. love this!" <laughs> and everyone, hey, Mac Ryan, oh no! The killer moment was I thought, okay, what would Bono do? What was, you know, <laughs> thinking, and I know, I, I, I think I've got it. I'll bring somebody up on stage. So I grabbed this poor girl's hand. I said, "Come on up!" And as she walked on stage, I realized I was in trouble when she covered her eyes like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to admit that I'm on stage. Because we anyway. had the bouncing ball. Right. The good thing is we, we were playing with a lot of irony and pop things. So, it was, you know, we put it down. She said, oh, this is kind of our, our shtick. But really it was like, oh, man, I, that was not my, fine, my favorite moment of the Pop Mart tour. How could you have known? I mean, come I, on. Right. I yeah. guess if you had, that's how you find somebody. out. If you uh, had, you know, yeah. ask anyone who <laughs> happened to be there. Sure. It, yeah. no, it was we, all we our actually, fault. I think it might have been my idea. We, I'm sure we it did was. have somebody whose job it was to find some suggestions, and when I questioned it, they said, "No, no, no, no. It's great. It'll go down brilliantly." I said, "Are you sure?" <laughs> yeah, totally. Anyway, I guess that person was Larry Mullen Jr. Uh, I wish. <laughs> He's in there finding songs <laughs> yeah. before the show. If you have to be booed at during a U2 concert, I guess the Macarena would be yeah. a good song Definitely. to be booed at. It's exciting that Staring at the Sun, I see, is is in uh, some nights. Am I mm, right about yeah. that? That's, that's exciting. Speaking yeah. of pop, uh, the 20th, 20th anniversary just uh, came and went. Are you, are you going to be doing anything with that record, like a deluxe edition or... Speaking of Larry, he's he's always wanted to do something on pop. Mm-hmm. Wanted to like, I think remake it. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was that idea. That album was just we just we so love the, the period it came out of. We we were just it was just a very special time for our band, and we spent about. Uh, four months on on the album and four months on the single discotheque, which we were convinced was a pop masterpiece. <laughs> and this is this is going to be great. It's going to be like ABBA meets uh, you know the Bee Gees meets whatever. <laughs> Again, our understanding of pop music is a little alternate. We realize, right. and, but we really were sure. So we mixed it for about three months. Wow. Three, yeah. I love that record. That we've talked about it on the show. That's one oh, of yeah. my favorites. Pop, I, pop. I love it. Yeah, There's some great moments on that record. Mm-hmm. Discotech's a great single. Mofo. Yeah. You think so? Oh yeah, that is so I mean, good come to on. hear. You, when we, well, I, I'm, I, I'm, I like what it's. I like. I felt. I, I felt it was about the moment we were in. So I felt it was quite revealing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'm proud of it as, in terms of the storytelling. And I just wish we hadn't mixed it for three months. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's not, you think I'm exaggerating? Well, we mixed it for three months. Well, the same song, just like turning you know, up. People and had down. to take counseling after it. Um, you <laughs> Metallica know. style. Well, it's a complicated <laughs> song. I mean, it's like a club version of "Where the Streets Have No Name." As far as yeah. the complexity of it, right? it started out as a very club record, yeah. and then halfway through making the album, we realized that there was a lot of people doing club music, and mm. and in some ways, we 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 had checked in at the door some of the most unique qualities of what our band can do. So we kind of jumped ship slightly in the middle of making the record and we Mm. reintroduced more of the band organic sound. So part of that was the reason why it took so long is that we were were kind of really trying to reclaim the sonic Mm -hmm. identity of the record and make it more band-centric. 
Um, it was supposed to sound like a party, that album, mm -hmm. but it ended up sounding a little bit like the morning after the party, like it's a bit of the party, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there's a bit of the hangover. Yeah, it's almost like we check in on discotheque, like right at 3 a.m. when <laughs> yeah, the drugs are sort of wearing off. And I, it, what's it? It goes, uh, uh, looking for baby Jesus under the trash. Yeah, that's, that's going to really get him up on the dance floor. <laughs> 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 like, wow. Yeah, yeah. This is you two in good form. <laughs> I I love it. I would love to see you guys do something with it. We, oh, I would love it. to play uh, last night on Earth acoustically oh, at yeah. some points if you could put that together. Yeah, Gone too. Gone's yeah, a Gone great is a song. Great tune. I do you love feel that loved? That's a great, oh, yeah. great song. Mofo is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. So many good songs on there. Yeah. Um, as you guys may or may not know, we're now working on a, uh, a podcast focused on REM. I'm sure they know. Yeah, of everyone knows, right? I, I, I do know, <laughs> yes. It's called uh, Are You Talking REM Re-Me? Um, is, this, is this an episode of Are You Talking REM Re-Me? I think Re it might be. Yeah, okay. Hey everyone, this is Scott. And this is Scott. And this is Are You Talking R.E.M. Remy. Uh, we have a couple of great guests here. We have uh, two old, old friends of ours. Uh, we may vacation together at some point. Uh, Bonobos and Thedge. Uh, and we're talking about R.E.M. We thought here. we might ask a couple R.E.M.-related questions, because for us, growing up in the 80s and 90s, you guys were our Beatles and Stones. Mm -hmm. um, and so... We were just wondering if you guys had any favorite songs, records of theirs, experiences. When did you first hear of REM? I think early on, because we were, our band and their REM came through in a similar moment, maybe a couple of years in the difference. So from the beginning, yeah. you know, from their first albums, we were really we excited met, by what they were doing. Yeah. We met on the longest day, whatever that is. Um, Midsummer Night. Midsummer's Night. Um, 1983, I think it was, mm -hmm. and um, I introduced myself to Michael. He was reading a book uh, in a backstage on a at a festival where the Ramones were also on the bill. Wow! So mm. two deities in the house. Wow! Myself and, and Michael. It's <laughs> 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 his modesty as well. <laughs> that oh, is, I find so. So 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 no, it was. It was you know, and he, and reading a book. Of course, he was reading a book, and it, it was going to be a much more interesting book than anyone else's book. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I went on and says, uh, uh, "Are you Michael Stipe like from Oriam?" Oh, yeah. That was it. That was it. That's the extent of your conversation. Of conversation. Uh, story. Yeah, I know. That's the that's that really makes it come to life story, too. Yeah. <laughs> and there, be, there began a lifelong, yeah, um, a love affair. And I absolutely, he's, he's one of the greatest men that, um, and artists that I've ever met in my entire life. And I would, I would also, I would have a podcast about Michael. Um, and, and I, um, but there's, there's also another three. You know, yeah, Peter yeah. Buck, yeah. which is a whole other level. You've got Mike Mills. Mills. You've got, I mean, Bill Berry. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this it was it was really something to be on, on stage around. What 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 about you, Edge? What's your well, absolutely early festival bills that we shared were very very memorable. But then they they actually did some recording in Ireland where we went down and hung out a little bit um, when they were recording. Oh, for reveal. Yeah, yeah, and um, worked with some of our engineers. Yeah. Jackknife um, Lee, right? Yeah, he, he worked with Jackknife, mm-hmm. and um, who, who's the well? Uh, the man who saved the where the streets, where the streets no name. name, Pat McCarthy, Pat McCarthy. Uh, yeah. the man who physically confronted Brian Eno as he went to wipe where the streets with no name. He went and, on to, wow. to produce. Went on to had produce such story, an yeah. insane story. Yeah. Brian Eno, old sourpuss himself, <laughs> wants well, I'm not to wipe. Old sour. Well, well in that what, moment, he was. <laughs> and um, I think yeah, to be honest, that we're it's spending more, all that time on it. It's more. Uh, it's more refined than sour. It's. It's a. Suffolk grumbling, a grumpiness (laughs) born of living in Suffolk, a particular part of of Britain, which is famous for grumbling. So, Brian. He he has dated to prove that people live longer the more they grumble. That's great. So, back to REM. So, we've known the guys for many years and loved them personally and their work. Um, I think my favorite REM song is uh, Man on the Moon. I just mm-hmm. love that tune. Yeah. And when he does that Elvis bit, that's yeah. particularly great live. A certain uh, R.E.M. songs I can't listen to because they are, they're too, um, they're just uh, overpowering. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a thing for singers because this is really like knowing Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Which I did, by the way. Mm-hmm. Right. And I thought yeah. to myself when I was sitting with Frank Sinatra, wow, you really are Frank Sinatra. Yeah. I the same with Michael Stipe, yeah. with a little bit of Dolly Parton thrown in. Because uh-huh. <laughs> uh, there is a little bit of Dolly Parton about that, about Michael's voice. Yeah. But so then you get the fact that he is sketching these pictures. Sometimes they're enigmatic. And then sometimes the line just, 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 yeah. just reaches out and, and owns you. And you can't get it off you. Like in uh, uh, Losing My Religion, that's me in the corner. I think that's a new kind of songwriting because you're right present in in a moment and it's just a conversation about something that's at once flippant and at once deeply, deeply profound. And uh, the problem with you two is, um, what I find annoying about them is, is that we, we, we sometimes just go straight in for the subjects, whereas, whereas Oriam could learn to be you know, a little flip, and a, and my, my look could be a little mm-hmm. elliptical, but mm-hmm. they're still they've got that that weight. And the other thing about oh, that's good. <laughs> Can we get ambient sound? <laughs> We're right next to a kitchen, I believe. <laughs> I, 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 I. <laughs> oh, it's this pantry on the wall right next to the well, that pantry. might be a clue. Um. I thought that was panty, but um, <laughs> that's really keep all the panties. <laughs> this is what I dream backstage would be like. <laughs> um, but is it true for all of you that when we talk about songs, we're not really talking about songs. We're talking about the moments that we have that are woven into those yes. songs. That's what this show is about. This is the show. What we like to do is we like to talk about music. We like to talk about our experiences hearing it, um, where we were, where we when were, we 
heard the songs for the that's what we discovered what they, going through your records was we would talk about what we were doing in 1991 when we heard Octoon Baby for the first time 1987 staying up all night in the in a warehouse parking lot to get tickets for the show you know just the music is so tied up in experiences mm-hmm. and so you're not really reviewing the songs you know you're you're yeah. you're reviewing your your own life yeah and i have so much and i'm pretty sure edge does too of our life woven into OEM songs. Mm-hmm. Some of the greatest moments of our life have been listening to their music, sometimes live, but sometimes late at night. You know, I was convinced Night Swimming was written about, um, you, you know, every time I've ever been to the beach. And, mm-hmm. you, know, we, you know, we have tradition in ours, we drink vodka and go into the very cold sea. And, and... So all of those things, you know, you're absolutely sure that you're in a conversation with the singer. That's when, that's when the, the alchemy of music takes over. Yeah. And that's why we're probably all sitting around this table. Yes. I think that's going to do it for the REM show. Yeah. So this is Scott and this, this is, is Scott. Scott. And thanks a lot. Okay, we're back to the YouTube. Okay. Um, <laughs> So speaking of, I mean, speaking of experiences with songs, I mean, you have so many songs. I was just thinking about this today. You have so many songs that that uh, that are tied up in people's experiences. For instance, you know, people will sing them to their children. Uh, People will have them play at their weddings. I mean, that's such an awesome privilege and a responsibility. Uh, do oh, you, you have got, a few bar mitzvahs in there, and we're, <laughs> yes. we've got it all. You got the whole life experience. <laughs> yeah, um, we've been working on the bar mitzvah bit because genuinely, that is the thing that we sort of aren't really. We pretend that we're good time rock and roll, f- you know, songs, certain songs, but we're not. We're we're we're, we're sort of we're kind of faking it. And I mean, we're a we, very loud folk band. Actually, uh-huh. that's probably what we are. Really. I, and that's it. It's just it's all that melancholy can't really be on top. We have this joy, and we have those for those big moments in your life. We've got the you know for or for marching down the street. Um, but don't underestimate the bar mitzvah because <laughs> that's the that's fun. What did you have? You met with, um, t- tell, tell, tell about uh, uh, Duran Duran. You meet with uh, Nick, who's so yes. brilliant. And so Rhodes. And we were working on some songs for, it might have been No Line in the Horizon. And, you know, we were, we had some remixes going and some, and I was saying, Nick, you know, it's, it's like. We were complimenting on that song, Ordinary, Ordinary World, 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 which is which a I genius love. song. Well, actually, that's a slightly different story, but I, 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 it's one of my favorite songs of theirs of all time and maybe one of my so- favorite songs for that year it was mm-hmm. like mm. I just loved that tune and thought they delivered an amazing lyric and just fantastic uh, but but actually what I was talking to Nick about was something we were working on and I was going Nick you know it's like we have a really hard time being shallow it's just our thing we just whenever we get close to something that just doesn't feel like you know we just well, shy away and he said, well, you know, Edge, we have absolutely no problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can we not do, like, straightforward fun? 
Right. Was, was the, yeah. Is the we're the like you know you're the comedians who probably you know sitting with uh, whatever it is you know the, the the actor and going oh gee, I'd love to do that and they're going no 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 I want to be funny it's the hardest thing in the world is to be funny. Right. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine writing a song like Girls on Film? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, at our I I dream we would wake up like that. Right. Well, yeah. you're the best thing about me. Trying. Is a really fun pop song. It's yeah, a yeah. great. It, you yeah. guys and, pulled and it off there. And there's even this humor. This humor. Yeah. We, you know, we got, we're making ourselves laugh. That's yeah. a good start. Yes. Do you think that that we we might be this might be a yeah future for us here? Yeah. In, uh, I think I think I think so. I think yeah, so. As long, what do you yeah. think, Scott? I mean, as long as you put out the other stuff too, like maybe do a double album where. So one know, one sad, CD. one happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one shot of happy. Ah, right. <laughs> Two that's, shots of sad. Well, that's that's us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There you have it. That's the Irish. Uh huh. No, the newest record is a great mix of both sides of that coin. I right. Think. Yeah. yeah. So I know we're running out of time, and this is a show day for you. We really appreciate you being the garden. here. We're in the garden. Um, yeah, we're in the garden, an amazing place. So I, the, I had one last question I wanted to ask because this tour is sort of about the transition from the promise of the past to the realities of the present. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of leads me to wonder about the future. Right. What is the future? Well, He's I've been the there because I'm from the future. Oh, that's right. As you know. Yeah. And, Back uh, to the Future was based on your life. It was. You're Marty McFly. Exactly. Um, so I can reassure you that it's better. Mm-hmm. Is it? It is. Yeah. A lot I'm of not people... really at liberty to describe how better or why it's better, but it is better. Okay. So... A lot of people would like to hear that, I think. Mm. Well, I mean, all jokes aside, I do think that this moment in history, if you really look at the facts and figures, it's the best time to live of any period of history. And if you look at all the things that we try and measure the sort of state of the world by in terms of poverty, in terms of medical science, in terms of social justice, we're actually making great progress. It, it seems like we slipped a bit sideways recently. But I do think that that's in the wider context, the, 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 we, the, the sweep of history, it'll be more a kind of sidestep than it is a, a big backward step. Plus we have air conditioning. Right. Which is great. It's very it's hot really, outside. Yeah. And there's, there not, and there's not shit everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know? And if yeah. there is, um, we try to turn it into Gold. art. Uh (laughs) I mean, all these things that have been coming out, you know, from Black Lives Matter to Me Too to everything that's been emerging is good news because it's it's finally coming out. It's being dealt with. It's being talked about rather than it being accepted and sort of swept under the carpet. Do you guys find Trump... Shit is better when it's on the street is the message. (laughs) Probably. Do you find Trump to be a subject that you have to tread delicately with when you're on stage just because... It's undoubtedly a different time now yeah. than it was when it was Bush or Reagan, and it was a, just a political persuasion that there was a difference over. Whereas now, there seems to be a lot of division, uh, division morally as well. Is well the, yeah, I mean, it's the name that will not be spoken. Yeah. Um, but is that a Harry Potter reference? <laughs> just saying. Uh, um, he is the Voldemort of, <laughs> of politics. <laughs> I, I think this is a very dangerous moment in the history of your country, and it's a very dangerous moment um, in the history of uh, Europe too. 
Mm-hmm. And if, you know, we, 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 I think, Edge, you hold on tightly to this idea that the mor- moral arc of the universe might be long, but it bends towards justice. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, and I haven't had this conversation with you yet, that I'm, I'm questioning that now. And, and I just wonder if you look at, at the history over 10,000 years, uh, if we've any evidence to support the fact that we're on some, that the human spirit evolves. I think, you know, the last 70 years or our life, we've had this, seen this incredible um, surge in the direction of equality, fairness, justice for all, you know, equal rights for, you know, what your sexuality, marriage rights. I mean, it's, 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 it's all good. And then it, I, I just really, it seems to have stopped and so now you have, you know, the United Nations, there's 152 ambassadors of the United Nations coming here tonight, by the way, to our show. In really? Wow. Wow. And, but the United Nations, uh, I would tell them, I, I don't even know if it'll be there in, in, if things go the, the way certain people would like it to go. The European Union, you know, we've seen peace following the Second World War. The European Union, uh, I mean, in this year it nearly ended. You've seen the G7 meeting turned into some sort of, you know, uh, school p- p- uh, playground and, and a bully um, kind of storm off. We pulled out of the human rights. You just pulled out of the human rights um, convention at the UN, the United States did. Like, so I, you know, I, I, the only thing I can hold on to is I do deeply believe that uh, if people recognize this moment and recognize that there is that there is being a loss of innocence and are you know people I've had people talking like they're grieving and you think what is this, is this melodrama you know Brexit and Trump and and I've realized no the people are grieving they're grieving about the lot they're kind of a death of some kind mm-hmm. and it's the death of their innocence death of our innocence and you know what that's okay because we need to get over that and and that naivete that lets us think that everything's going to be okay and whilst edge is 100% right present at, from the global perspective things are definitely better but in the, the western world which is where our music comes from and all so much of our freedoms that is entering a very, very difficult and dark period. And we need to be sure um, that we can get that back, mm. but, but not blasé. Well, I think the important thing is to note how good things are because the story that's going out there, the narrative that is being dominated by politics is the opposite story, which mm. is right. everything's turned to shit and... We, we ought to be very afraid of people who are different to us because they're here to take away what we have. And it's a sort of fear-based politics. If you really look at the facts, sure, there have been some real challenges. Some people have been hurting economically. But in the, in the, in the big picture sense, things have been progressing. And, you know, the economy of the world seems to be coming through. Um, again, there's sure going to be challenges down the road. But it is, it's not so bad. But this narrative of fear is causing a lot of disruption politically. And I think that's been driving a lot of this. 
anti-immigrant uh, stuff. And That's also xenophobia. There's three card Monty. Yeah. So we're all going down there at the border. It's a really serious problem. You know, the border. A porous border has to be, you know, taken seriously. It really does. And uh, but immigrants and people who are fleeing. Um, uh, a terrible life also needs to be taken very seriously but what's really going on is something else you, you know more people have died by gun violence in the United States in the last five years than in Vietnam now that's whacked out and and and, and yet we're not talking about that anymore there was people there was a surge from these wonderful high school students from all kinds of communities we're getting out and we're going to change the gun laws because they're nuts that's kind of gone quiet and uh, because caging children at the border that'll get them going mm-hmm. and so you know we just have to be very careful about uh, as Edge said you know pointing to these communities that have suffered they have suffered and and we need to make sure that uh, success um, uh, is inclusive. There's no point in us all being, four of us at this table, being successful if, if other people are left behind. Um, we have to take that sort of stuff very, very seriously. But it is not the panic that we were told it was and that this, and this was, this was the, and the only person who could solve it was a guy from a reality TV show. No. That, we're not buying that. Yeah. So it seems like the complacency is over a bit with people. You see the marches yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, to your point, Edge, it seems like that we can have hope. I absolutely have to. And also to stop demonizing the other side. Um, because whatever about the people that have become elected, the people that elected them are trying to figure out what's the best thing for them and their country. And I think most of them voted their conscience and most of them voted from from that sense that this is the right move. A lot of people would disagree and it's shocking to particularly a lot of people from Europe to see what's happening here. But that's what democracy is. You know, you get some strange results. So don't demonize the people who voted. Try and figure out why they made the choice they did and figure out where the common ground is to move forward and to stop this tribalism it's like really not helpful and we had it in northern ireland still dealing with it in northern ireland all it does is cause problems and i think if you boil it down to the issues there's probably 80 percent of the stuff everyone agrees on anyway it's really down to just these few hot button issues and you know let's just be adults that's the problem is that it's actually gone to a level of sort of childish name calling and stuff which is really that's so unbecoming of, of a nation like this. Well, thank you for putting on these shows that lift people's spirits and making these great records that do the same. And we hope that you'll dedicate at least one song to us in the crowd tonight, uh, if not more than yeah, that. Yeah, we will be there. So, we, okay. so I mean, not to put point in your ear, but, you know, we are going to be there. And, like, I'm sorry because I, uh, you know, on the show day, when <clears throat> I wake up in the morning, <clears throat> I have a very difficult time with myself. And I, to get ready for a U2 show is the, it's, it's a wild experiment to play on yourself. And, you know, because it, it can't just be, you know, Friday night, you know, it's, 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 you know, whether it's Monday, you know, it, it's, it's New Year's Eve. It's like every show has to be the best show yeah. we, we can, we can make it. And that puts terror in me. 
Yeah. And so um, I'm, I just don't want to bum out your uh, your podcast. Oh no! But to have and you to have you come and do this while you're getting ready means the world to us. Oh, so yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for even yeah sitting down here. It's yeah. very kind. And I am kind of you know I am in a state of some uh, some anxiety about what's going on in, in mm-hmm. at home in Europe and here. Mm. And I do believe it is, you know, the people getting out on the streets um, is the only remedy for this. And so I hope our band can be useful yeah. going forward because the fight is on. It's <clears throat> like it never has been in our entire life. Yeah. So when we formed the band, we wanted to be useful. We wanted to, we were available for work. We, in our heads, you know, we were crossing the, the, the Ramones with the Clash, and we would, you know, there we'd go out and make pop music that would make some difference, make punk rock that would make some, make some horror. But we would never know that it would come to this moment in time when, you know, something could change at the Supreme Court, and people of, uh, uh, who are bisexual or people who are gay or people who are different could actually n- not feel... Um, safe walking down the streets of America or people who turn up from Africa, you know, who were washed up on the beaches of Europe would not feel like they were welcome there. This is, this is, everything's at stake uh, at the moment. Never has there been a a need for our band, for us to be in a band. I need it as a, as an outlet myself. And I'm sure Edge and Adam and Larry think like that. But I hope we can be useful. You are. We're certainly intense. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, okay, that's me. <laughs> what a way to I end agree. it. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, guys, thank you so much. Really yeah. appreciate it. Have Thanks. a great show tonight. You're Thanks. the best. We love you. Bonobos, Thedge. Thank, thank you so our much. Pleasure. Thank you. Our Thanks, pleasure. guys. Thanks for having us on the show. Let's go. The Scots. Well, Wow. There it is. So how do you feel listening back to it? Even though we didn't just listen back to it, we just <laughs> we just said, here's the interview, and then, and then immediately, immediately started went into this. this. But l- listening back to it, as mm-hmm. I'm sure both of us have, mm-hmm. I haven't. Have you? Oh, no. Okay. I'm too embarrassed. I started to. <laughs> I started to the other day, and it got about five minutes in and had to turn it off. I'm keeping my memory of it uh, pristine. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I thought it was really fun. Those guys are really interesting. They were I, – I didn't have the – concern that I had the first time of like these guys don't know what we are or who yeah, we yeah, are yeah, what yeah, they're yeah. doing they were they were super nice they were joking yeah. around with us uh, I was very happy to have slipped an old sourpuss in there yeah and they actually <laughs> heard that and were like what the fuck <laughs> and and Bonobo started to argue it a little yeah. bit and then by the end of it it seemed like he pretty much agreed they were totally agreeing with you <laughs> Uh, I thought it was great so interesting to hear what they thought about REM REM that was Amazing getting to sit with you two and talk about REM. I can't believe I, I we actually got to do that. Well, speaking of REM, we got an episode of Are You Talking REM Re Me in there. Amazing. But speaking of REM, there is more to this story about REM yep. that I want to hype. We have to take a break. When we come back, we are not only going to talk to we're going to play our interview with Adam Clay 2000 pounds where he takes us backstage but we are also we have some other REM sort of news that will astound you we'll be right back with more you talking you two to me after this to what you used to be 
Hey guys, I know you were just listening to you talking you two to me, but I want to tell you about another awesome Earwolf show, Off Book, the improvised musical with Jess McKenna and Zach Reno. Every week, Jess and Zach improvise a brand new musical with a piano player, a drummer, and a special guest. Yes, that's right. I've done it. We improvised a whole hour-long musical. It was crazy. Um, The guests are awesome people you know and love from the comedy world, the Broadway world, all sorts of places. Um, Paul Shear has done one, Paul F. Tompkins, Nicole Parker, Brian Safi, so many more. They sing, they rap, they dive into all the musical fun. It was so much fun to do. So listen and subscribe whenever and wherever you get your podcast fix and get ready to sing along, body roll, or just silently groove along to Off Book. We're back. Welcome back. You talking you two to me. This is our the second part of our special uh, Innocence and Experience U2 tour episode. We just talked to Bonobos and Veg. And so now let's set the scene. So this pretty much starts. What you're going to hear is us walking out of the room with Bonobos and Fedge. Well, we're not going to hear. Th- we're not going to hear that part. Let's oh, just des- yeah. Let's describe what happens. So, so basically, we say we we part company with Bonobos and Fedge, and immediately, and Adam, immediately, Adam's right there. Yeah, and he's those guys are walking away, and they say hi, and then we just walk off with with Adam and Adam, and we just get the switch off. Yeah, we're like passed off to Adam over here, like a baton <laughs> at the Olympics. A lot like that is the perfect metaphor, Adam. Mm-hmm. A lot like a baton at the Olympics. So they, imagine these guys running the relay race. Yep. And with bono- like leather jackets and cool <laughs> and rock cowboy star hats. gear. Yeah. <laughs> and full McFisto face paint. Yep. <laughs> Guitars. So um, Adam takes us out on stage. And basically what he's doing is he's going to – we didn't exactly know what we were in for. We were right. told he wants to show you backstage. So we didn't exactly know what it is. What ends up happening is he takes us out onto – Every part of we're on stage at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it's incredible, and it's like two hours before showtime. Yeah, there the, are people milling about, but the place is empty, and we're place just is completely empty, other than crew sort of milling about out on the stage at Madison Square Garden with Adam Clay, two thousand pounds. It's pretty incredible. So uh, we want to pick it up here. He takes us uh, up onto the the stage, the stage where they start the show. So the stage over at one end of the arena, yeah. And this is kind of the main stage where they do the the beginning of the show, and they do a lot, and the end of the show, yeah. And so this is uh, this is Adam Clay, two thousand pounds. But as you can see, we have a very good view of everyone up there, yeah, yeah. which is really really nice. We have so you can walk up these exactly, planks here, exactly. Um, and it also means that those people can see all the people down here. Uh-huh. Yes. So there's nice interaction. Do you have planned times where you're like, oh, I got to go up there and play and shake my little you butt mean up choreography? There. No, not choreography. <laughs> but like at certain songs where you're like, or are you like, oh man, I got to I gotta go do that. I forgot. You know, you start at every gig going, oh yeah, I'm going to use the real estate. I'm going to get up there. I'm going to go over there. But then, right. you know, life gets in at you. <laughs> other problems yes. arise. Yes. You know, and you just stay in the one spot and just dum-da-dum-dum. <laughs> right, yeah. dum, dum. figure it out. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Great. <laughs> um, so 
as you can see, all the tech stuff is down there. So they right. can all see us and we can make hand oh, signals. Oh, you, oh, okay, yeah. So you, so can you guys double, can oh, communicate right. down through the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a little camera system, that. so if, if, you know, it gets dark and you fall over, someone can come and pick you up sure, and that wow. sort of thing. Um, or if oh, something stops goodness. working. Okay, so that basically what he was doing there was he was showing us that when you're looking at the stage, it sort of looks like a solid thing with stairs. Yeah. But everything is actually kind of see-through because it's sort of like – It's like, like a slatted fence. Yeah, it's slatted and it's sort of like a fence where they have holes everywhere. So they can communicate to their crew who are underneath them essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, how it's sounding in their monitors, their yeah. in-ear monitors and everything. And, and uh, you know, whether they – whether like, hey, I don't like this bass anymore. I want to yeah. throw it away. It's it's pretty incredible to see because you can you can really clearly see under the stage where we go later mm-hmm. where the crew is is uh, tuning up guitars and basses where they're adjusting sound where they're doing everything kind of operating the show from underneath the stage. But we when we're watching the show from up above we can't see any of yeah, that no, stuff because it's in darkness. They can communicate pretty clearly with us. So at this point he then Adam takes us out into what they call the barricade which is the giant, if you go see the show, and I pray that you do, uh, the giant monitors and platform that take up the length of the entire arena um, is like a tiny platform with with long monitors, uh, LED monitors on either side. And the band ends up in there at various points in the show, and they go walking back and forth the length of the arena above the crowd. It's pretty incredible. We didn't think that we were going to Go on to this, but he just took us right on to it. Let's hear that. So this is our kind of walkway. Um, We we call it the barricade, which I think is a reference to cage fighters. (laughs) Not every night's a fight, but sometimes it can happen. Oh, it sort of swings. Wow. That's because there are two, there's three moving bits here. Mm -hmm. The whole thing can go up. The, this floor that we're on can actually go down, okay. which you'll see at the beginning of the show. Um, and then the whole, then that end, this little thing that looks like an elevator with one side, that's when we're hiding on the stage in okay. here. That's where we go, and that moves as well independently. Wow. wow. Do you, how does it feel when you were told this was going to be part of the show? Is it scary at all? Or is it like, eh, who cares? Yeah, this no, is it's, it's pretty scary. Is it? Yeah. I, it's really scary when you're underneath this thing and it's hanging over your oh, head. God. Oh, my And God. you go, I hope all the engineering systems that protect you work. Yeah. Oh, my god. And gosh. I'm sure they do. Yeah. Now, um, am I remembering correctly on the last tour, you guys were inside this when you performed Invisible? Mind you, back yeah. there. Yeah, we guys performed were inside? Invisible okay. from in here. And on this tour, uh, you do... Sunday, we, we, Sunday, actually, from inside here, we do the beginning of elevation, and then we come back. We right. come out. Right. Yeah. Uh, we also do, do the very opening of the show. The, this drum kit will oh, wow. oh, come yeah. down, and we do blackout from inside the screen as well. Wow! Excellent. This is so crazy. Did you ever imagine anything like this when you no. first started? I mean, and because it had never been thought of or invented before. We didn't know the stuff it could do. Like for us now, we can see out very easily. Right. Yeah. Anyone outside can 
if the if the screen is on, which is these LEDs, they won't they can't see you. Unless like a spotlight is shown on it. Right? Yeah. That, but yeah. or you turn the screen off and you have right. the light on from the inside. That's what these lights down here are doing is. Oh wow. That is. You. That is. Yeah. yeah. So crazy. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, when you see the show, I it looks like a solid thing. And, and it looks sturdy in a way that yeah. when we stepped onto it, it suddenly started kind of swinging back and forth yeah, it's, it's in a way that I didn't expect. Yeah. And you know what I didn't notice while we were in there that I that you see during the show during Cedarwood Road is that it's sort of a treadmill in there. Really? Where he's walking and then it pulls him backwards. Oh, really? Oh, you know? I didn't notice that either. Oh, interesting. Uh, when we were in there, I didn't see I didn't think to look for it. But there, Oh, I don't – I think he's doing that manually. I, I don't think there's a treadmill thing in there. I'm not sure though. Oh, we, I – Yeah, I, I, I think wrong. I think Bonobos is just kind of walking forward and then they turn the lights out and he goes backwards. He's sort of like – No, but I thought at one point he stops walking and he's pulled – Oh, Am may, I wrong about that? Maybe. I, no, I, I could know. be wrong. I don't know. We'll never find out either because we blew our one chance to find out if there's a treadmill in this thing. We'll never know. God damn it. Okay, so then he takes us out onto the circular stage, which is the E stage, I think they call it. Yeah. Um, And this is what we talked about last week with Andy of of this was his favorite part of the show where they just kind of do stripped down four-person rock and roll on this stage. And it's crazy. We're out there in the middle of Madison Square Garden on this stage. By the way, apologies for the loud music playing in the background, but that's just the environment they were in. This is their, like, uh, load-in music, you know, for yeah. for the audience loading in happening, and it's right before they open the doors and let people in. Yeah, we're out here. So this is out on the circular stage. So this is when we come out at this end, which is kind of the club gig, um, yeah. and this is where we do all the kind of no nonsense rock and roll. Wow, <laughs> uh, it has a kind of '50s '60s feel, uh, just in terms of what happens here. That uh, lighting ring will come down. Yeah, There's well, also yeah. a mirror ball up there. So, you know, this transforms into a very different space. Um, very quite, intimate. Yeah. yeah. Is it? What is your favorite part of the show? Uh, my favorite part of the show is probably when we finish here and we go back for that final third. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's all, you know, there's a mixture of new songs. We're not playing anything from Joshua Tree. Right. Which, yeah. Is that, you do know. you like that or do you? I like it as a discipline. Right. It's a little controversial with, with our audience, but mm-hmm. we feel like last year, if you didn't see the Joshua Tree last year, well, you're not really a serious right. YouTube uh-huh. fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Um, so we, we, we want to we wanna shake it up so that the arc of this show is a, it's a different narrative. It's a narrative that connects with the last show, with the Songs of Innocence, which was about where we came from, what made us who we are. And Songs of Experience is kind of with that information. Uh, this is what we've become. This is yeah. what we are. And what have we learned along the way? What we've learned along the way is that we gave up a lot of our instincts and innocence to get here, and now we want it back again. Yeah. Oh. Do you think there's a sequel to this record at some point in 20 years? Uh, I I don't think so. I think that's the full circle. Uh Yeah. Uh Um, You know, I think I think Leonard Cohen. You know, late Leonard Cohen has probably covered, you know, what happens to you when you're in your 70s and you're still doing shows. But yeah. I hope we don't have to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Um, do, you, do you have anything planned for... I, I know you were on a uh, show the other day and you said that the band doesn't have any plans after the end of the year. 
You know, uh, that technically is true that we don't have any plans till the end next year, but it's not technically true that we're not going to talk about what plans we might have at some point. But we don't, we don't, we're not there yet. Right. The the intention for next year is probably to have a, a, a bit of a stop, and whether or not we do some extra shows towards the end of the year is a bit of a maybe. Right. Um, and part of that maybe will be where we start the next record and what we think will happen the year after. Yeah, what do you want to do? I want to take a break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you have a lot more shows to, you're going over to Europe and UK, so you have a lot more tour to go. Until the end of the year. Yeah, we, you know, we, we had, we've had a four year cycle of touring. We, we had this little windfall, which was the Joshua Tree. Yeah. And when we started thinking about that, we had a window in our schedule uh, and we thought, yeah, we can fit, you know, three weeks of summer shows in. And then it just became so successful, the window opened up of when we were going to release this, this Songs of Experience album. So we extended the tour. So we ended up working last year in a way that we hadn't anticipated. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was like, that was kind of after the Songs of Innocence. So, so the Joshua Tree, the t success of the Joshua Tree tour was somewhat unexpected for you guys. Saying. Yeah, we thought we'd do, as I say, we thought we'd do a couple of capital cities right. to celebrate the Joshua Tree as a, you know, for a bit of fun. Yeah. And then every time we put shows up, they just sold out so quickly. Right. And when that happens, you kind of go, okay, maybe we need <laughs> to think about this a bit differently. Right. But should we go back to, yes. the, yeah, to yeah, the stage yeah. now? Because sure. I know they, they yes. want to do of things. So, great. I, yeah. I, I do... Uh, he was very nice to answer questions. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I just felt like we had him. Let's I remember ask we, in that section there, we just kind of stopped and just chatted kind of stopped for a while. stopped and, and hung out and chatted for a while, which was very nice because it, it, you know, he could have just, like, said, this is this, this yeah, is this. Yeah, yeah. But he was very nice to answer our questions. So then he takes us back through the barricade part mm -hmm. of it. Uh, and we go back onto the main stage. Let's hear that. That bomb. Oh, this is so cool. Is that soundtrack going to be okay for you? Oh, yeah, we're playing? Yeah. yeah, there's no no rights issues or any of that. Um, we've cleared everything with the okay. Amy Winehouse estate previous okay. to coming in, just That's just in case. Very professional. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less of you. A smooth operation like yours. <laughs> Wow. So um, amazing. I know this is this is sound only, but that is the Maestro's drum kit. Yeah. This wow. is the Citadel oh, of Rhythm. Yep. Um, and sometimes, if if the room gets very quiet, you can kind of hear it humming. But uh -huh. I don't think we'll hear <laughs> okay. it today. Um, uh, this is crazy. What's, this is, is this amazing. a monitor or that that's uh, an auto cue that. Well, it just shows the lyric. Right. So, um, you know, it's just because Larry plays the vocal. Right. He yes. doesn't listen to the bass at all. Really? And this is oh, where you so come and. Interesting. <laughs> Usually in a band, uh, drums actually, and bass I, are very. I, I don't know. I think, I think actually drummers play to singers. Do they really? Because they emphasize and they're highlighting what a singer is saying. Oh, okay. And although they say, well, we play to the bass, but I think the bass then plays to the drummer. To the drummer. Okay, yeah. so it goes singer. Drums, bass, and, and guitar, I guess. And, and Edge just puts those kind of textures right. and arpeggios. And Edge, you know, I mean, you'll see tonight, Edge is the hard, hardest working guy up here. 
Really? You know, he's playing guitar, he's playing piano, he's triggering all sorts of stuff with his feet, he's changing guitar sounds, and he's singing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he's doing it all very well, very effortless, without a big look at me sign. Do you wish that you were doing some No, of no, stuff? I love four strings. <laughs> four strings, four fingers. I know how that works. <laughs> Are you right. guys now at a point where it's so, you're so in sync that you don't even have to think about it? You just start playing and you're all... All four of you are of one on, on, when you're like into a tour pretty deeply yeah. like this. Uh, you know, it's it's weird. Not only do you uh, play instinctively like that, but you use the space instinctively. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, like uh, if I know if Edge is moving that way at a certain speed, I'll tend to go that way at a certain speed because creating sort of. distance sure. is nice. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. if if I see him coming this way and I see Bonner coming back, I say, okay, that's a come back for three. Likewise, right. if he goes up there, I'm gonna go over there, sure. whatever. You know, sure. it's all yeah, yeah. it's all kind of geometry, it's, yeah. it's visual. What's the most fun yeah. song for you to play? Probably the last one. <laughs> the one right before you get in the car. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're, they're all fun, you know. It's like, for me, every night you discover something different about the song. Um, and that's, I suppose that's how you keep it interesting. You know, something shifts, something changes, somebody makes a mistake, whatever it is, you get a different take on it, and it, it, it just comes out differently. Yeah. Are you adding any kind of new bass lines or anything like that, uh, occasionally well, experimenting at all musically? Bass lines might be a little bit too extravagant, but there are little inflections and accents mm -hmm. that, that change, yeah. Let's go downstairs because sure. I see the room filling up a bit. Yes. I don't know why I said bass lines. I was searching for a word. I was like, do you play new bass lines? Well, it I makes it sense. Ma it, sort of, it does make sense. It's just like, how crazy would that be if he's like, you know what? I'm going to play an entirely new bass line during <laughs> I think he was Sunday, also Bloody Sunday. being overly modest by saying maybe bass lines are a little too sophisticated for what I do. Oh, I think, he, no, I think he's, he's just, just saying, saying like, come on, no one's going to play a new bass line. Yeah. But okay. yeah, anyway. Uh, so then we go underneath the stage and uh, he shows us just a huge rack of all of his basses. It was interesting because right there he says this place is starting to fill up. Like people were starting to come in and if they saw Adam Clayton just standing People were coming. Stage, oh, I didn't even notice that. People that's why he wanted to get out of there oh, is because they were starting I didn't to let audience Oh, in. they were letting the audience yeah. in. That's so crazy. Okay. So we we then go underneath the stage and we're uh, looking at his bases. So this is, uh, okay, I mean, this is not a huge secret, but you'll notice there is no amplification on stage. Oh, yeah. So all the amplification for the bases oh, wow. is, oh, is in all, here. It's all uh, uh, wireless. Yeah. Wow. And all the guitar amplification is, is over right. the other side. Do you use all of these during the show? Yeah. Uh, and partly there's different sonics, uh, but mainly it's, there's different tunings. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And again, that's all the switching and electronic wow. gear. And Stu, who was here earlier, um, tends to operate all the sound stuff. I leave the creative to him. I just play the notes. Right. Um, How amazing was that? We when have an espresso machine. In case <laughs> That's I fantastic. Get tired. In the middle of the yeah. yes. How amazing was it once the wireless stuff started being invented and you could just like roam the stage? I mean, I, I sort of remember 
in the nineties ish yeah. or so when they start people started experimenting with it and, and now to see yeah. it come to this where you guys can go wherever you want. Sound is amazing. Sound yeah. is being broadcast to speakers uh, all around the world. It was it was truly liberating in terms of what you could do with a show. I mean I suppose the first liberation was when singers got wireless mics because right. suddenly they could move around. Right. Uh, it took longer for for us to get off our leads. And in fact, we quite liked our leads, but the leads mm. just got longer and longer yeah. when you played big stages right. and it was like, ugh. Um, and then the next innovation was the in-ear monitoring. Right. Uh, and that just changed the game. First of all, it gave you much better fidelity, but it meant for, for us, we could do a show like this where we're literally, you know, in different parts of the arena. And you're still playing together. It's so yeah. crazy. So Zoo TV was the first with the in-air monitoring, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. really did change everything, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, in fact, that was the... Everyone else went on to it. I, being a bass player, I stuck it out with uh -huh. wedges for uh -huh. another, yeah. another two tours. Because <laughs> you can't get low end. In the original early monitoring, ear monitors, you couldn't get any low end. Oh, really? Wow. Everything was sort of high. high. Yeah. This is where the guys that mix the in-ear wow. monitoring are. Unbelievable. And uh, this is probably unusual and uh, extremely decadent uh, in, in our world, but each guy has his own man. Um, really? Now, wow. You know, that is, mix. that is the equivalent in the, in the old days, in the 70s, of having somebody to chop out a line of cocaine for you. <laughs> <laughs> in terms that's that's of how it feels. Yeah. This is nerd cocaine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, this is so cool. So everyone during a show down here is busy, focused. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, because of a lot of the complications of Edge's sonic stuff, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not just four faders for four guys making a noise. There's so much extra stuff sort of happening and coming yeah. in and going out and cues and whatever that they're actually working really hard and I sometimes you see them sweat. Really? <laughs> That really did change everything, didn't it? Well, the thing that's interesting about that is, and embarrassing about that, is that I think I just learned that earlier from... Oh, really? Fedge. I think he oh, told oh. us that during oh, right. the other and interview. So, so you that right? to, Yeah, maybe. So I just carried that information nice. over and presented it to Adam like I... <laughs> that was general knowledge that I <laughs> was we aware all, of. Yes. <laughs> Great. Um, he's really funny. Isn't yeah, he? he's like he's, the most chill guy. He's great. Um, okay, so at this point, he now wants to take us underneath the barricade. So that right, so, we, but we should say that that whole last part when we're under the stage, he's show, showing us all the bass guitars and all the mixing boards. It's a really low ceilinged, low ceiling, uh, but but complicated. Like we keep saying, like wow, incredible. Yeah, because. You know, not because we're seeing one guy with a mixing board. It's like a very high tech operation yes. with multiple cameras monitors. that are following monitors. It's it's uh, like one of those James Bond movies. Yeah, all the monitors where they can keep track. Not each guy mixing each guy in the band has a camera on the guy at all times that they're mm -hmm. watching, and they have a bunch of mixing boards for each guy. Right. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Okay, so now he wants to take us underneath the barricade, which is where the show starts. Let's hear that. Um, now, you're all, you're pretty tall. This, this is... You're being very generous this is Adam the, here. <laughs> I am not tall. For the physically challenged. This is perfect for Bono, but you can, <laughs> you can, you can get into the stage 
down here. Oh my gosh. You know what, when we were, we were in that screen, yeah. this is where that black end gate is. You can pop up there and you're in the screen. Really? And what is... Oh, wow. The advantage of this is you're hidden from the, the audience? Uh, well, before, what happens is you'll see the beginning of the show. We go in there oh, okay. and then the screen lifts up. Right. Okay. So you're all doing this every night. Yeah. Bending over and, and getting in this. Yeah. How's so that? you can just appear in the middle <laughs> of the it, It's a little hard. <laughs> right. By the last night of the tour, I'd say we'll, we'll just be about making it. But you can, there is a little sort of train that can bring you down if, right. you, if you're really not able to bend. Right, right. <laughs> oh, how interesting. There's a wow. little, little rocket that people sit on. <laughs> In fact, there it is. This is the rocket. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So you can just lay down on that? You lay down on it, and Flory, who I don't know where she is, but she's very willing, and she'll push you along. Push oh, that's, that's great. So funny. <laughs> wow. And and this is general changing area. Uh -huh. This is the most fun during the show's been here, actually. Really? Okay. When the band are up there. Yeah. Just hang out down here yeah, while you guys are working. Here, have a cocktail, uh -huh. hang out. Yeah. Here are the and you can watch it on the TV. Mm -hmm. yeah, little party a, down here. We even have a little loo as well, you know. So there's basically three girls here. Um, and I think they're a bit lonely doing the show. Yeah. Are you trying to get us to come down here and hang out with the girls during the show? We're married men. Well, well, yes. Well, they have a very strict door policy. You might not get in. Okay, that's probably. So yeah, he was. It's crazy. They have to bend over to get to to walk to make their first appearance yeah. on stage. They have to like sort of crouch and crawl through a very yeah, it's like cramped a corridor, two by two space that yeah. they have to crawl through or get down on. When he said the the the, the rocket, it's like a little thing on wheels that they can sort of lay down on and that yeah. someone can push them through. Be and then they take a little elevator up into the inside of the screen. Now, when they wrote the song Elevation. They had I don't no idea. think that's what they no. were talking about. But now they are. Now they are, yeah. So when you hear them in concert sing, they're singing about the beginning of the show. So when he said this is the place to hang out, it's like a, like a couple of couches and this little kind of cordoned off area where they come in between sets and change their clothes or whatever. But it's couches and like it look like a place you can hang out. A lounge. A lounge. Mm -hmm. All right. So the, uh, the very last thing then was uh, he just uh, he showed us Edge's guitars for a bit. Yeah. And uh, now he says goodbye to us. And so let's hear that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. This is yeah. so great. What a yeah, treat. Thanks. Man. Are you staying for the show? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you so, based in New York? No, we're in California. We just flew out just for tonight. Yeah. Going back tomorrow. So, uh, yes, thank you so much. So, Very and feel excited. free to give us a wink <coughs> out there. We'll probably be somewhere out there. Just, you know, give us a wave. All right, will do. Know, anything, <laughs> like, anything like that. Thank um, you. Thank thanks you, for Adam. everything. Thanks, thanks so much. for all the support. Thank you, oh, yeah. of course. Our pleasure. So, uh, yeah, give, him a, uh, give us a little wink. Didn't I... I, maybe I'm remembering it wrong, and uh -huh. that might be a good thing because it's embarrassing. But didn't I mention, like, is this the area, like, in Rattle and Hum where you guys come and change and I'll talk about what you're going to play later? No, you never brought that up. I didn't? No. I cut a little bit out of this just because we're walking around and, and it's, it's boring. Nothing. But we never – yeah, but I listened to the oh, whole thing. Good. I think we talked about that afterwards. Okay, maybe, okay, okay. Of like, oh man, no, we talked about it afterwards where you're like, ever since I saw Rattle and Hum, that's what it was. I've wanted to to see the backstage part where they 
talk about what they're yeah, going to play yeah, next. Yeah. And yeah, so so this was a thrill for yes. both of us, but especially for you, because ever since that, that part in Rattle and Hum really stuck in your mind to be a fly on the wall there. Where- Or the fly. Where- um, Bonobos is like, okay, you do this, you do this. You play bass. Yeah. You play guitar. <laughs> it's the thing. I'm going like, to play drums. You guys don't know what you do. And he goes, and then Edge, he'll just do whatever he does and get lost anyway. And then the camera moves to Edge, and he's like, I don't know. <laughs> so that was very cool. He was uh, super nice. And, yeah, and uh, generous with his time before yeah. a show. It was nice. Yeah, it was great. So let's talk about what happens then the rest of the night. Yeah. Um, because it, it it gets even even more incredible with with certain things that happen. First of all, I want to say uh, Laura, who is uh, uh, helping us the whole time, she she mentioned we had talked about how difficult it was for us to get the schedules together and how much we appreciated her working so hard on it. And she said she felt a lot like uh, the mom of a big family who's trying to get everyone together for a Thanksgiving or something. Right. She said. Um, it's a lot of hassle, but it's important to get the family together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very sweet. <laughs> Which was a nice way to put it. Um, yeah, I re- after the interview with Bono and The Edge, at the end of it, I don't know if it's if we recorded it, Bono said to us on our way out, we should grab a drink after. That would be really fun. Oh, I didn't even hear that. Yeah, and, and I was like, yeah, definitely, let's do it. So, oh, Well, we were invited to the, we were yeah. invited to the after party. Yeah. Which, Which at that point I didn't really know about, but then he said that, and then Laura invited. Oh, okay, us to yeah, I had I had known she had before you got there. She had said, "Oh, by the way, it, we want you both it. to come to the after party." Got it. Um, we'll talk about the after party in a second. So, so we completed our business with uh, Adam. We're told Larry is unavailable. Yeah. He's he he can't see us. So at that point, we get our passes, and the audience is filling up. Um, oh no, we went back. We went back to the hotel after this. We saw some nice fans outside and took some pictures. Yeah. Uh, then we came back at approximately. The show's going to start at eight thirty. We came back at eight. Right. So we're back here. We get our passes. We um, go to our seats because um, Laura said, you know, probably the best thing to do is to start watching the show in the seats. Yeah. And then go down to the risers when the band moves over to the E-Stage. Yeah. So we go to our seats, and suddenly we both get texts from Laura saying, like, hey, do you want to watch the guys go out onto the stage? Yeah, do you want to watch their walk? Um, from basically un- what what Adam was talking to us about of, like, going underneath the barricades. Do you want to watch them go from the backstage to the barricade? And we are like, yeah, that sounds yeah. – Cool. Yeah, totally. definitely. It's like of course that we epic do. moment of the band walking out into the right. arena. So we go back there. By the way, we see. I think we see Adam again, like walking around backstage, That's right. <laughs> and and he's like, "Hello, guys." Yeah. And we're thinking, like, God, this guy just thinks that we're hanging out backstage the entire time. Yeah, so um, bummed that we're still there. <laughs> so we're waiting around backstage for right. for this to happen for us to watch. The band walk out on stage, and we recorded a little something of us waiting. And oh, that's right. Yeah, let's let's hear a little bit of this. Hey, everyone, this is Scott. And this is Scott. And uh, show's about to start. We're uh, backstage at Madison Square Garden, MSG, as people call it. Yeah, like, if you're in the know, if you're in New York City, if you're a New Yorker, you call it MSG. Everyone knows what you're talking about. Yeah, if you go to a Chinese restaurant, you're like, hey... I need MSG. They'll know what you're saying. Yeah, they know that you need it to go because you're on your way to Madison Square Garden. Exactly. So we're waiting. Uh, the band has actually invited us to 
watched them uh, go to the stage. Like, walk to the stage. I guess it's like a thing people can watch, is watch them make that (laughs) trek to the stage. From what I understand, they sell different tickets for this to just watch the band walking. I would rather see them play. And you know how much it costs? A million kisses. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you have to give them to... The Edge, yeah. Edge himself. He's the one who takes all the kisses and receives them on his butthole. <laughs> so we're, we're just about to do it. We'll see you soon. You know what? I'm, I'm glad that we, I'm so glad we made that important I'm so, recording. I'm so glad that we documented this experience for ourselves. Um, so there's that. Jesus, it's good to know that no matter where we are in the world, we just do the exact same stupid thing. <laughs> okay, so we're we're hanging out backstage waiting for them to come out, and I think I say to you, like, I want our faces to be the last they see yeah. <laughs> before they do a big show. <laughs> and just, just poor guys. <laughs> just poor, like, what are these guys still doing here? So we're just hanging out backstage, and there's there's people above us who – have the seats that Andy Daly had the last time he saw. Yeah, um, who yeah were, so they move us to the area that's like between the the seats behind the stage and the stage. So we're just in like this corridor between those two things, visible to the right. audience. And people are shouting down at us, yeah. uh, uh, but mainly like they're waiting because they, I think they know that the band is coming out. Right. Um, and so then very suddenly, you know, we hear they're on their way, they're on their way. And... We see Bonobos go out on stage. We see Thedge go out on stage. And we see Adam go out on stage. And then suddenly, I'm not really even able to process it, but Larry is in front of us. He's not on stage. He doesn't go out on stage. What I remember is all four of them kind of walking together, and he Mm -hmm. peels off and walks to us. I didn't even – I couldn't even – except what was happening. I didn't really know because suddenly Larry is in front of us and yeah. he's smiling and I'm like, wait, what's Larry doing? Yeah, he like wa- he, he needs to be out on stage. Like we're 20 yards away from where yeah. they're walking. We're kind of out of the way. He yeah. walked directly, he walked directly over, to, over us. to us. I'm like, dude, no, the stage is over there yeah. is what I'm thinking. And he says to us, you guys can't retire until you get these. Yeah. And we're like, what? And he hands us T-shirts. He hands us each a T-shirt that's like <laughs> wrapped in ribbon. That's wrapped in ribbon. He and and he's like, you can't retire until you get these because we've been needing the T-shirts. The yeah. last time we interviewed the bands, they didn't give us any T-shirts. They gave yeah. us everything. They gave us mugs. They gave us programs. They had no T-shirts. But no fucking T-shirts. No man. fucking T-shirts. So 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 Larry gives us the T-shirts. He laughs and walks onto directly the stage, on stage. Directly on stage. We're like, what the? F-? And I was like, what? happened and i couldn't he, even put it together he hands us the t-shirts and we don't know what the t-shirts say so but. we're with their u2 t-shirts we assume and and laura and everyone's like open them yeah open them we open we unwrap and unroll the t-shirts and they say <laughs> the larry mullen jr band yeah <laughs> on it in a in in basically like not iron on but but like professionally yeah. printed t-shirts in a very simple font that yes. just say the Larry Mullen Jr. Band. Yeah. And he fucking got us. Yeah, he got us. And I he, he pranked us. He handed us the because when the guys walk out, the four guys, the whole audience that can see, which is a good amount of people, yeah, start the freaking back. out. So it's an exciting moment. He walks up to us, hands us t-shirts, and everyone's screaming and 
probably watching this and going, what the <laughs> going, fuck is what, going what on? What is he doing? And he walks Talking away. these two losers. And we just start yelling and laughing like, no way. And he turns around and looks at us right before he walks out on stage. Right. Just like, yeah, just like, fuck you yeah, guys. I fucking got you guys. <laughs> I was Jamie really Kennedy funny. X'd you guys. Yeah. It was really funny. And then we found out, we talked to Laura about it later, and that was his idea. Yeah. He really wanted to do it, and he was going to do it at the forum, apparently, yeah. but you couldn't come, and we couldn't we, and we couldn't get there before the show. So he had had those T-shirts professionally made. Yeah. He got, like, I don't know, uh, like uh, uh, someone on in the U2 uh, uh, universe. Universe, yeah, <laughs> the U2-niverse. <laughs> Um, to make those T-shirts and had been sitting on them for a month yeah. waiting for us to come and then to a show. During Adam's tour with us, what they had planned is he was going to surprise us during our tour with Adam with a T-shirt gun, and he was going to fire them <laughs> at us. He was going to fire them at us. And they even, they even tried it out they and tried determined it out. that it was too dangerous. It was too dangerous to fire a T-shirt gun at us with these T-shirts. Yeah. That, that's the only way this story could have gotten more crazy and incredible. And that and then it ended up that he had a prior commitment he had to do on the day we could on actually the, On the actual day that but we, yeah. It was pretty cool the way. Way it ended the way up. it ended up, it was insane. So, did you bring your T-shirt today? I didn't bring it Maybe today. No, yeah, I forgot. So, but we'll, we need to take pictures with it. And I'll show. I'll. I have a bunch of photos from Adam's tour and a photo of the corridor where we were standing when Larry walked over to us, yeah. just to give some visual. Yeah, we can put those up. So let's, because uh, we're running out of time here, yeah. we got to talk about the after party. Oh yeah. So the after party, we, the show's great. We've already talked about that on the previous episode. Um, so then we are invited to the after party, which I didn't really know what to expect because I've been to after parties for things and they're just like massive zoos, yeah. not to make a U2 reference, uh, Zoo TV. Well, you yeah. did. I didn't Wait, mean to, but. We should say that at the show in the second to last song or the last song, oh. Bono. No, no, we don't want to say this yet. I oh, want to tell, okay, it, okay, tell okay. it during the story. Okay. Okay, so. So normally I didn't we didn't know is this going to be one of these massive like party like you know when I wrote on the Oscars this is this going to be like one of those yeah. where there's you know a thousand people at yeah. it or whatever. We get to the party and it's at a relatively small rooftop bar yeah. and there's approximately what would you say 100 people there? Yeah. Like and Laura people. says like, "Oh no, this is a party uh the band knows every single person here right. and they really want you to come to it." Yeah. Um, so everyone is here because they want to hang out with all these people. And their closing show was like in Connecticut and they didn't feel like family and friends were going to make it to the Connecticut. So they were basically having their closing night get together on this night. So it was the other thing that we need to mention is during the show, first of all, Bruce Springsteen was there. I forgot if we mentioned that last week when we were talking to Phoebe, but we, we were standing sort of when we went over to the riser, there's a Bruce Springsteen reference, the riser. I mean the rising, but uh, when we went over there, he was he was chilling watching the show. Right. Um, so, but but then we also started to find out that another person who was watching the show that got a shout out from Bonobos himself was our good friends that we have not met yet, Michael Stipend. Wait, I wanted to mention it like thirty seconds ago, and you wanted to hold it till now. Oh, I thought that you were. Me- I thought you were talking about the other thing. Oh no, no, no. Oh, okay. I was just going to say he mentioned. Oh, it okay. The show. I thought I thought you were talking about the other thing no, that no, he no, no. that he did during the show. We'll talk about that in a second. No, no. Okay, so Michael, lead singer of Harem, yeah, is there watching the show? 
or we assume he must be because he dedicates he love dedicates is, yeah a song to him uh, love stronger is bigger, than anything bigger than anything, bigger than anything. Than anything. Way. he dedicates it to Michael Stipes we're like oh he must be at the show right I wonder if he'll be at the after party. And we had just talked about REM for like 10, ten full minutes with, with these guys. With the guys. I don't know if they knew that Michael Stipend was going to come to the show that night. Yeah. But I don't know. But we were like, I wonder if this dude's going to be at the party. And yeah. if so, can we talk to him right. and try to get him on the show? Right. So we go to the party and uh, we're talking to Steve, Laura's uh, coworker, mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is Phoebe here? Because I knew – because we had watched the whole show with Phoebe. And uh, so I'm looking around for Phoebe. So I turn the corner looking for Phoebe. I'm going towards sort of the back of the party. And there is Michael Stipe himself uh, sitting there at a table with Patti Smith. Yeah. And they're just chatting. Uh, on our way in, we – you're saying, like when they're we're walking in the, by. They're sort of in the back. Yeah, like yeah. we had to make a full circle of the party, like from the entrance yeah. all the way around the yeah. the big sort of circle. They're, they're in the back. They're just at a table chilling, but there's a ton of people around yeah. them. So uh, we're like, yeah, Michael Stipe is, is here. here. Yeah. So I see Phoebe and I'm like, oh, okay. Phoebe's at the very back over past Michael Stipe. I got to go get Adam. Yeah. So I go get you. And we go back over by Phoebe, and we're talking to Phoebe, and I notice just behind Phoebe at, at like, basically in a booth at this place is a group of people, and I'm just, we're chatting with Phoebe, and I, I look over, and I notice there's Bonobos just sitting at the table, yeah. just chatting with these people, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. um, here he is, all right. Um, and so then uh, Bonobos stands up. And sees us talking, and he knows Phoebe, you know, yeah. f- from stuff. And and so I guess he's putting together that we know Phoebe. Yeah. And he comes over and just starts, and, and the very first thing is, and this is what I thought you were going to bring up, is he says to us, did you hear it? Yeah. He goes, I I called you guys out during Love is Bigger Than Anything in Its Way. I gave you guys a shout out during that. And yeah. we're like, what? <laughs> I still don't know whether Me neither. It's real. Me neither. Because Laura said later she's like, well, hopefully someone in the audience took a video yeah. of it or something. I I no idea. I, I thought I was paying attention, but Yeah. But you, uh, you know. know, there was that guy shouting behind us the entire yeah. the entire show. Apparently he was like he said Scott and Scott. Yeah, I don't know. But it was amazing that he <laughs> walked crazy. up and he's like, Did you hear you think? it? What'd you think? And we were like, uh, we didn't hear it. Yeah. So crazy. But it was cool because we stood there and chatted with him for a while. We chatted with him and then so and this is the craziest part. Yeah. So he goes, Oh, wait a minute. Michael Stipe's here. Yeah. Have you met him yet? Yeah. Or he just assumes like, You you've met him, right? You've met him. And we go, No, we've never met him. He goes, Well, why don't I make that happen? Yeah, he goes, he said, Can I make that happen? Can I make that happen? And we're like, yeah, sure. He goes, okay, give me a minute. And give me a minute. Away. And he goes over to Michael Stipe and, and Patty Smith's area. And we're like, this, not Holy only shit. do we not have to just go over and introduce ourselves like, hey, we're weirdos. Yeah. Like, Bono's going to connect us like, here. Talk about the person to make the introduction. Yeah, like, Bono says we're cool. You should be on the show. Yeah. This is perfect for us. Uh, so we wait. And we wait. <laughs> we kind of just hang out in this same area with Phoebe, and because we don't want to move, yeah. like you know, we don't want we don't want Bono to be like, where'd those guys go? And also, we don't want to be pushy. 
Yeah, we also don't want to cheesy. We don't want to go over to Bono while no. he's talking and go like, "Hey, Bono, you remember can- that introduction? <laughs> that yeah, that's so important about? to you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we kind of wait, and we end up waiting for about forty-five minutes. At a certain point, we did a drive-by of the table and looked over there, and they all seemed to be in a very deep conversation. Yeah. And at a certain point, we say, this isn't going to happen. Well, I th- yeah, and I think it was also you getting were, late. We you were, were both- very exhausted. Yeah. But it's it's 1.30 or something 1.45 like or something like that. You've been up since 6 a.m. L.A. time. Yeah. Or no, you've been up since 4 L.A. time, I would right. imagine. It's just getting – and, be, and 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 it looks like it's not going to happen. We don't want like everyone to start to straggle out, and we're still here going. Bah-na-na. And if it was going to happen, it would be at two thirty or three when everyone's getting ready to leave. And he's like, "Oh, hey guys, oh yeah, I, yeah check yeah, this exactly. out." Exactly. Which any in any circumstance, fine, great. We we just needed to we go. Did, yeah, we and we didn't sleep. want to be pushy jerks. Yeah, didn't want to be as weird well. and go over. And we and we are to, and we we're about to leave and we say our goodbye to Laura and Laura's like, no, 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 wait, he was going to introduce you, yeah. right? And we're like, Laura, it, we don't want to be those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you've been very generous <laughs> and yeah. given us so much of their time. We don't want to be those guys. Um, and so. Uh, I, you know, our, oh, so Laura was aware of the, yes. Oh, okay, yeah. She was there. Okay. We, we were talking to her husband who, by the way, her husband is in the band self. Yeah. Which we didn't know. Right. I was talking about the band self a few episodes yeah. ago with their cover of what a fool believes he's in that band. It's crazy. And, and I shouted out that band and, and Laura was listening going, Hey, they're talking about yeah. your band. <laughs> Had no idea. Anyway. So we leave. On the way out, we chat with Eve Houston, with Bono's daughter, who's who you super had, cool. You had met at a, at a party, and, yeah, I, yeah. and I was meeting for the first time, and, and you said to her, oh, this is my friend Scott. And she goes, oh, wait, Scott and Scott? Yeah. Yeah, she's she knows the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> she knows the She's like, oh, wow, okay. And, uh, and, and you we were, apologize profusely. Yeah, we're like, sorry, we have this <laughs> podcast about your dad's band. <laughs> so we chatted with her, which is cool. She's an actress. She was in The Nick and a bunch of stuff. And she's the star of a uh, of a mutual friend, uh, Rebecca Edelman's. Oh yeah, uh, terrific movie that she wrote and directed with Eve starring. So mm-hmm. it's exciting. Um, so we say we make our good nights and we crash for approximately four hours before we have to get a plane. Yeah, get on a plane the next day, and um, we're on the plane. The next day, going back to L.A., and suddenly we get a text from Laura. And let me read this text. Yeah. It's from Bono. I never got back to Adam and Scott, who I promised an introduction to Michael Stipe. He is having an opening of an exhibition, Infinity Mirror, in Brooklyn Journal Gallery this evening. At 5, if they're around, they could say hello. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently this is weighing on Bono the next day of like, oh, God damn it, I forgot yeah. to introduce these guys. Let me try to hook this up yeah. in Brooklyn. Yeah, very kind. <laughs> if we, we were around, we totally would have gone. We totally would Oh, oh of yeah. course we would have gone, but we're on. We're literally on a plane when yeah. we get this text. I, of course, paid for the uh, messaging option on the Wi-Fi, so I was able to receive that text. I, I, I got it on the plane, too. Um uh, but you you would you responded. I responded I like, very I perfectly, that, and you're like, "There's nothing that, that could be added." <laughs> I could I couldn't possibly add to this. <laughs> the the brevity, along with just the illustriousness just the of nature po- of <laughs> gracious. <laughs> so that was our it was two adventure. And, it was crazy. And as we were walking out, I remember just saying, "Like, I'm exhausted, but 
this is okay, right? We should just go. We shouldn't. And you're like, yeah, and you know what? Makes a better story anyway. It didn't yeah. happen. It, 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 uh, well, that's the thing. So we're, look, my, uh, everyone in REM, if you're listening, we've been trying so hard to get this backyard barbecue going with you guys. <laughs> the full reunion. All we want is the full reunion of all four members and for you to do two 90-minute sets in our backyard daytime barbecue for, you know, 500 of our closest friends. <laughs> also, <laughs> him being a guest on the show wasn't even the th- – it was just like meeting him and with Bono introducing w- would have been like – Legitimized us yeah, in a way. Yeah. And just a cool experience. Just a cool experience. It would have been great. But it was a cool experience anyway just yeah. being there. So that's the – you know, in, in a story where we got everything we wanted and more, yeah. that is the one uh, bit of uh, drama and conflict in this yeah. story. Um, so will we ever get to meet – Michael Stipe? I don't know. If he hears this, my guess is no. (laughs) If he hears our interview technique in the previous segments, he would be wise to stay far, far away. Far away so close. Yes. Look, that's going to do it for us. An amazing experience, Adam. I'm glad that I got to experience it with you. I loved the show. I thought the experience, and I liked it even more than the innocence and experience. Yeah, and I liked it so much the second time. We talked about that last time. It was so... It was so great. We want to thank uh, everyone involved in the the U two the U two universe, uh, especially Laura for putting all of that together. Um, it was really an incredible experience, and oh, yeah. uh, and I'm I'm glad that uh, we got to do it together. So fun, so fun. I uh, treasured memories, my treasured friends. memories. It was like we were in New York, or I was in New York for like less than twenty four hours, but it was yeah. such a blast. And no wives. Pretty oh, fun. It was just we dudes. were let off the chain. Just dudes. All right, so we'll see you next time. That's going to be it for us. Until next time, and I don't know when next time is, but I hope it's soon. We certainly hope that you have found what you're looking for. Bye. Hey, Queeros, it's me, Cami Esposito, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, Query. You can sit in on hour-long conversations between me, Cameron Esposito, and some of the brightest luminaries in the LGBTQ family. Query explores individual stories of identity, personality, and the shifting cultural matrix around gender, sexuality, and civil rights. Plus, it is fun. We have had some incredible guests. Uh, Emmy winner Lena Waithe? Yes, definitely. Congressman Mark Takano? You bet. Outward creator Eileen Shaken? Yes. President and CEO of Glad Sarah Kate Ellis? We definitely have. We've got celebs. People like Trixie Mattel, Evan Rachel Wood, Tegan and Sarah, the band, and the people separately on two different episodes. We also have activists and change makers in our community i think it's a one-of-a-kind show full of chats you have never heard before it's identity it's community it's query you can find query every monday on stitcher apple Podcasts, and spotify or wherever you get your podcasts